everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Pioneer Perspective. As always, my name is Brad and Alex, you are here with me. Hello. Hi. How are you? Hello. I'm uh, pretty good. UD started again last week. Um, it takes a lot of get. The main thing I miss is, well, the main thing I'm going to miss more is like just education from home and a lot of working from home. I know a lot of people are like, oh, I can't wait to go back. Well, that's I, I really weren't, wasn't bothered. Some things are like very useful uh, to meet people up. Like I, I'm studying to be a city planner and I'm uh, hopefully writing my thesis this year. You know, and sometimes that just starts with like a big like sheet of paper and people just draw on it. And it's like that shit is dreadful online. But like if I just have a meeting or like class, it's like, I don't, I don't know. Why, why do I have to get up like an hour and a half earlier so I can make it there on time and shower, etc. when I could just roll out of bed 10 minutes before we got to start? Like, oh, yeah. It's phenomenal. I had to start um, at half past eight today, and then my alarm is at like half past six. Like, usually my alarm would be a quarter past eight, and I would just roll out of bed and figure out when I do breakfast throughout the day. Last year, when um, when my school was doing hybrid classes, uh, they were basically they took half the school to do face to face, and the other half stayed at home to do hybrid or like do online. Um, when I was quarantined the first time, because one of the classes I was teaching, um, someone got COVID, so the entire class had to you know go home and quarantine. I was still working; I wasn't off because I I was. They're like, "Hey, now you can teach your class online. Here's Zoom," and like. Dude, it was great. It was great to just wake up 10 minutes before I was supposed to log into Zoom, make coffee, sit down, and be like, hey, guys, what's working today? <laughs> like, and, are, and you, also, are you good? No. No, I'm not, but I'm I'm ready to go. Let's do it. <laughs> but, I mean, this applies less to you for teaching, but, like, it's also so much easier that you can you can stop working earlier. Like, when I run my internship, I run basically my whole internship online, um, and... You know, I could say this because I aced it anyway, but most days I stopped, not all, but most days I stopped about half an hour, three quarters of an hour earlier because I'd done all my work. And when you're in the office, you're kind of just twiddling your thumbs, waiting for it to be five o'clock. And now it was just, all right, this one, I'm just going to like put my computer volume on very high so I can hear it when I get an email. I'm just going to do other things. And if I don't get an email before five, well, that's all my work done today. And you close it off and you're instantly home as opposed to traveling home in rush hour. Yeah, I'm never a fan of driving. Well, let me rephrase. Like, it legit buys you hours a week if you're working from home. Which, I, I mean, I think a lot of businesses over the last year have started to realize the value of having their employees work from home rather than, you know, force them to come to the office. Because if you have a job in a, in a position at your job where it's easier to work remote or it's not beneficial to you or your business to actually come into the office, except for like, you know, niche circumstances, like certain meetings or certain people you have to meet that cannot be online, which even that is probably a reach, um, then yeah, stay the fuck home. Like you yeah. don't need to be at the office. If you're, I'll put it this way. If you're like a, um, like a treasurer or some shit or like some, like an accountant you don't need to go to the fucking office. They can give you all that shit remotely. Have yeah, fun. exactly. But yeah. So anyway, way more fun. Magic. This week, we have a lot of spoilers to go over. Um, we're not going to really go over um, the challenges. The only thing I guess I can quickly say is because we didn't do last week's challenges because we didn't record last week, but we released two episodes. 
Um, there was a yeah, sch scheduling is hard now. <clears throat> yeah, um, we're both working full. Well, I mean, I'm working full time. You're at university full time. Um, I'm also in school full time. In addition to me working, and I'm not even working full time. I'm working seven to six every day. Uh, so it's uh, yeah. You're working like double full time. Uh, almost. It's fifty. It's fifty five hours a week. Um, well, sometimes sixty depends, which is fucking stupid. But a hey, lot. extra money. <laughs> um, yeah. So time is hard. It, it's hard to figure out uh, when to do things. But I mean, I'm thankful for having a job anyway. I'm thankful for going back to school and having the, the ability to do so. So yeah, we'll, we'll, we make it work. And today is uh, Monday. It's Labor Day, so I am off today. We're recording way earlier than usual. It is almost 11 a.m. for me. This is amazing. Yeah, we need to like keep in keep in mind that we're finished like before I have my dinner, as opposed to finished before it's like three o'clock and I really have to go to bed. It's a nice change of pace for me. Yeah, this is probably the first time in like half a year that Brad has seen my face in like daylight. Yeah, this Over is natural lighting. It's like wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have to worry about you fucking with your camera settings to make yourself brighter or darker. <laughs> But real quick, as far as the challenges go, like I said, I'm not going to go over them, or we're not going to go over them, uh, but I do want to mention that last week there was a day of reckoning where Rakdos just came out of fucking nowhere. So much Rakdos. And, uh, and now, according to Goldfish, Rakdos is the number one played deck. I would like to say, sitting as of right now today, 8.7%. Next is Ensoul. Um, at 7.1, and then you have Is It Phoenix at 7, and then you have Jund, Jund Citadel at 6.3, followed by 6.1% Omnath, uh, four color Jeskai thing, and then Niv to Light at 5.5, then Burn, Mono Black, which actually the Mono Black Alex at 4.4 is not our Mono Black Aggro, it's Mono Black Vampires, let's go! But, but, I would like to say this real quick. It's not actually Rakdos as the top deck. Because if you look on Goldfish, um, there are for some reason two separate listings of Jund, which they're both Jund Citadel. The only difference between the lists are very minute changes of numbers. One runs three Citadel versus four. Another one runs one Corval. The other one runs two. They're the same deck. They're the same fucking deck. I don't know why Goldfish splits them up. I think it splits it between Gigantha decks and not Gigantha decks. Yeah, that, that's incredibly stupid. I'm going to be embryo with you. Like that's like I that's not a different deck. Like I understand like the companion is a, usually makes a huge difference. Gigantha does not. What's the card that they're running that makes it so they can't run Gigantha? Wait, actually, this makes no sense. The um the number nine deck is a Gigantha deck, but it uh -huh. runs Citadel. That means it's not eligible to run Gigantha. So I don't know what on earth happened with this list. Yeah, the only yeah the only ones that really run Gigantha are the um... the, uh, the the only thing I can imagine is that this is post board when you take out the Citadel in some matchups you want to have the Gigantha for the free value hmm. and that means it registers as a Gigantha deck even though there's Bolas of Citadel in it and maybe then Goldfish is like I don't fucking know and it registers it as a different deck maybe maybe but the point is and then once it's grouped one it starts grouping other decks underneath if they're more similar. Maybe it starts looking at the sideboard or whatever. And that's why it's weird. Well, okay. The reason I think it's stupid is because you look at Is It Phoenix and you go through Is It Phoenix list and you're like, all these random one ofs get changed and like control lists get changed like that. It's still Demir Control if you're running Heroes Downfall or you're running Soul Shatter. They're still going to go in as Demir Control. So this is, should be the same thing for me. Whatever. Goldfish, hire actual people. 
like hire a person to just edit these, please. Um, but anyway, yeah, Jund realistically at 6.3% for one category and the other category at 4.2% is the top deck in Pioneer right now, according to Goldfish numbers. Um, when you put those together, because they should not be separate. So I guess before we go into spoilers real quick, Alex, what do you think about the top five decks? This is much different. Look, like, f- fuck the challenges. We have Mono Black one recently. We have, um, I think it was a uh, the Omnath deck one recently, and then Rakdos and something like that. But who cares about the challenges? Look at the overall metagame before we go into spoilers. You have Rakdos and Soul. Dude, playing control is so hard. Like, playing yeah, control is so hard. Like, it's all <laughs> the threats are so differently, and they change every week. And then randomly, you're, like, prepared for Ensoul and Phoenix and Niv and the Omnath deck. And then just a Pyromancer shows up with fucking four Go Blank in the deck. And you're like, dude! <laughs> I don't know. Like, how do you beat this? I don't know. I cry? Like... <laughs> And then you still have to worry about mono black and then burn showing up sometimes. There's also Lotus Field in there. There's other control decks. Do we have we have Jeskai? Yeah, control. dude. I'm just gonna play elves and I'm just gonna mulligan into elf circle of dreams <laughs> druid. And if that doesn't work, I'm just gonna concede. Like <laughs> Yeah, we're seeing almost no control. And like the the top control deck currently is Jeskai. And like that just shows the power of um, you know, uh Express Federation. And honestly, that's Probably why we see, I think we talked about this a couple weeks ago, for, but why we see the uh, Jeskai Ascendancy deck come back is because they got hit the um, the Express Federation card, and that it's fucking insane in that deck. True, but at this point, I'd almost say that maybe Go Blank is almost better, like for Pioneer's purposes. Maybe for specifically Pioneer, Go Blank might have almost done more. I mean, Go Blank is so Go Blank good. is incredibly powerful, and I think it's really nice in the main Arakdos. It's nice in a lot of decks main. I've, I'm actually seeing vampires run it as a one of or a two of in the main, which is impressive. But it's main deck ways to attack the hand like you normally. It's a mind rot, right? But it's a way to also say fuck your graveyard for those matchups that you want to eke out a win game one because especially when you're Arakdos and you're like, hey, no, 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 fuck you, I. Me, hello, I am the graveyard deck. Not you. Fuck you, is it Phoenix? Get the fuck out of here. I'm dropping go blank. <laughs> Die. Die. And then you're like, oh, I have a Croxa. You have, oh, you have a bird? You have a little 3 2 bird? I have a fucking never ending hunger devouring demon titan thing. And you know what the annoying thing is? You look at most of these decks, you're like, oh, Shadow's Verdict is so good here. And then Phoenix are four drops. Yeah. You're like, god damn it. <laughs> Yeah, I don't envy. Con- yeah, now that you mention it, you've honestly answered a follow-up question of like, "Hey, where's control?" Uh, it, it's it's uh, it's a struggling to figure out what to do. It's having a hard time. Like it, it's having a very hard time at the moment. Which, I mean, isn't necessarily bad, right? Control is generally a sign of a staler meta game. Mm-hmm. It still doesn't have to be bad. Right, if there's a solid meta game of like five or six top decks and like a bunch hanging around, that could still be a really fun, really good meta, and that's something where you can find control. But this meta is so wild, it goes all over the place. Like every two weeks, the meta is just entirely on its head, and that makes playing control unbelievably hard. Except for Nif Delight, because I think it was a crew three that I listened to this week. It's like, first of all. One of them wanted to apply to go on the Pioneer perspective. There's a joke there running. Hi, Chris. Uh, hi. Hi, Chris. Happy to have you on. Um, second of all, Niftalite is a control deck. 
I just wanted to say that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We can move on to spoilers. I, I th- actually, I think it was Chris that said that um, he's like, Nip I will die has, on that hill. Has controlling elements, whatever, but he wasn't ready to call a control deck. Um, but yeah, no, I agree. Niv to Light is a control deck. Um, I've come to admit that. People see a deck without cancel in it, and they're like, that's not a control deck. <laughs> I mean, it has so much, like, just removal, and it, it doesn't do anything until turn five or, or whatever, turn four, uh, to, like, play bond. It's literally, it's, it is playing a control. And it's also, funny enough, Yeah. funnily enough, Alex, why is it that if we look at Historic? Well, maybe not right now, because Historic is a clusterfuck, thanks to the Mod Horizons cards. But prior to that, we would look at the uh, Niv build in Historic, and everyone is everyone calls it Niv Control in Historic. But it's like the same deck, just minus Bring to Light. That's because it is. Anyhow. Spoilers! Innistrad. Let's do Enough it. to talk about. Uh, uh, I think... Yeah. I think we're just going to start off with maybe the most important thing and the pe- thing people were most excited for seeing as this was going to be the werewolf set. And it's, <clears throat> what are we going to do with that awful werewolf mechanic? And the solution is, they made it slightly less horrible. And it might actually be decent right you, now. You are starting off with a fucking bang. These are high words of this, praise coming from you, Alex. It It is slightly less horrible. It might be decent. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, like, <laughs> the, the the werewolf mechanic is still pretty flawed because it hands the reins to your opponent, and the werewolf mechanic in general is... This one is way harder to play around than it was. So, okay, I, I started off on a very low note. It's I'll just keep it at the... It's decent. Um, this has solved some problems that the werewolf mechanic had, but let's just start by reading it out. So... For the people that know, the old werewolf mechanic, I'll just quickly do a uh, village... No, it's not village bell ringer. Uh, Duskwatch recruiter is the one I looked up. So the old werewolf mechanic, you had a creature that was a werewolf, um, and it would be like a human front side, and it would say, at the beginning of each upkeep, if no spells were cast last turn, transform this card. And then the werewolf side would say, at the beginning of each st- uh, of each upkeep, if a player cast two or more spells last turn, transform whatever this card was. Now, what they've done is the moment a card enters that cares about a werewolf, or there's even other cards that care about day-night now, which they've done in an interesting way. Because yeah. now it's just day-night. And cards are known as day-bound, or their backside, night-bound. And the moment anyone plays a card that cares about day or night, you have to track day or night for the rest of the game. But you don't always have to do it. It's just as soon as a day-bound card has entered, or obviously a night-bound card somehow. Um, so what, what happens here is it, you start off in the day, and then as it becomes day, transform all night-bound permanents. So you once again start flipping back and forth as you go from day to night. If a player casts no spells during their own turn, it becomes night next turn. Then when it becomes night, as it becomes night, transform all daybound permanents. Permanents enter the battlefield nightbound. So it's sort of easier to track because now it's just either all my cards are transformed or none of my cards are transformed, which is just a little easier to keep track of. And then it says, if a player cast at least two spells during their own turn, 
it becomes day next turn. Now, what they've done is that they changed the wording on day. So it now says if a player casts no spells during their own turn. It used to say if no spells were cast last turn. This meant that if you were playing like against a control opponent, they could just continuously just push a thing on your second main phase, uh, on your end step, push a thing on your end step, cast an opt on your end step, cast a draw another spell on your end step, do this on your end step, and it would just, or if they countered one of your spells, and it would, well, then you had played a spell too, but like, you could just never make it go night, in that sense. You could never flip, because your opponent would just constantly be doing shit in your turn, and your cards would never transform, and you were basically playing human tribal even though you cared for the backsides, but you would never get to see that. Knight is actually the same. Because that already used to say, if a player casts at least two spells, it becomes day next turn. But because of this, it gives less agency to your opponent. Now, your opponent still has a lot of agency, but much less so now, which is a welcome change. And the fact that it's all tracked at the same time is much smoother, it's more flavorful, the token is pretty pretty. I think the tokens are cool. What do you make of it, Brad? Are you do you think this was this was what they had to do? I mean, it's way better than the other one. I think it adds for some interesting play because now <clears throat> actually let me ask you. So I'm gonna use the new Arlen as an example. I guess it'd be the first one we can look look at. So we got a new Arlen card. Um, and just like the original Arlen. It's a planeswalker on one side, and then it flips into her werewolf form, and then she's another planeswalker, essentially. And it says daybound, um, and then per plus one, until your uh, next turn, you may cast creature spells as though they had flash. Each creature you control enters the battlefield with an additional plus one, plus one counter on it. And you can minus three, create, a, create two, two, two green wolf creature tokens. Now, she's the same casting cost as before, uh, two red and green. And then her flip side... Uh, with for Nightbound is Arlen the Moon's for, uh, Fury plus two, add a gruel, so a green and a red, and a zero until end of turn. Arlen becomes a 5 5 werewolf creature with trample, indestructible, and haste. That's fucking, that's, that's really good. Um, so you can have it be nighttime as she enters as her Moon's Fury form. And you can immediately go, zero, I have a 5-5, five, five, indestructible, hasty girl coming at you. Now, I do want to ask, because I, I was always fuzzy on the way that Transform worked for before. Um, if you enter during the day, and you plus one, minus three, whatever, Arlen, right? And then you're able to switch it to night in the same turn, can you activate her flip side? Is it considered a new card, or is it because it's the same card, it does not count? I think it's the same card, because I know they also car they keep counters when they transform either. So I think it's considered <clears throat> the same card, All right. I would say. Because I know you can't but, with the original one card, but I don't know if the new mechanic wording is different or not. By the way, in case people think... When Brad says, like, if you could flip it today in the next turn, uh, how does that work? There are actually cards, at least there's one specific card that actually just straight up says, if it's night, it becomes day. So, yeah. and the other way around. So you can, there are actual ways to make it day or night, day and night during one turn. Is that pretty relevant? I'm not sure how that works. 
I mean, especially because the ability uses mana, so you could like even like plus her in night form, get the mana, and then use that mana to flip it to day if that's somehow relevant. So I think ignoring the, I will say I originally read Arlen and I didn't read the two on her minus three, and I was like, this card is horrible because I thought it's a minus three create a wolf. Yeah. But you actually get two, which is pretty decent. Yeah, I, I think this is a good card. Um, I, obviously, the the Arlen Moon's Fury is better on the other side. Um, one home people have been saying this is going to be great in uh, because they already this this deck, which we actually seen fallen off quite a bit, which makes sense because it's essentially a combo deck. Um, they played a copy or two of Arlen Cord from Shadows of Renistrad. It's the Bard class deck. This this feels like it could slot nicely into that deck. Um, no, uh, you use that Arlen because it gives a creature, I believe it gives a creature Vigilance and Trample. Mm -hmm. And you use that to give evasion to the enormous creature you were going to use um, to one-shot your opponent. Ah. So that's what the old Arlen was for. Yeah. So if, is she giving haste? I think it's Vigilance and Trample. Also has haste for herself. Oh, Vigilance and Haste. It's plus two plus... Yeah, so the idea with the old Arlen in that deck is that you give your creature plus two plus two Vigilance and Haste, you use Ronus to give it Trample, and then you start making it huge, and then you can get the one shot. I, I mean, I just think this is a cool card. I don't know what... I mean, yeah. besides an actual werewolf deck, if that happens, um, I don't know what this goes in. Uh, I ran Arlen in my Jund... Uh, Delirium this, deck, um, and I thought that was fun as a one of. Uh, maybe this well, one I mean, the same thing. What I like about um, it's still it's awkward, but in a non werewolf deck, this is like a planeswalker that is actually pretty good against a control deck. Mm -hmm. Which is, you know, a lot of people have always like historically, it's like, oh, you bring in planeswalkers against control, but I don't think that has been as true as people think it is, where they just slap any old Planeswalker in their sideboard, because apparently I should run Planeswalkers against Control, and people end up running pretty bad cards. Uh, this one's actually pretty nice, because giving your creatures haste really, like, messes with Control's mojo, and that makes this card pretty good. Like, I mean, you could, you could throw anything in Niv as long as it's more than one color, but, like, this could be, like, very annoying in Niv. It's a value piece, and then they're going to, like, flash in a Niv on your end step, and then you have to interact with that, and then they untap, and then they slam another one. I mean, also, that just, might actually... and against aggro, it's actually kind of good, because you're already running yeah, certain two wolves is pretty you good. Get, yeah, you get the two wolves. Just keep keep the keep the walls yeah, up. Yeah, turn two, carry it, turn three, two wolves. It's, it's a little pressure. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a pretty good card. Um, yeah, the... the the problem is, and it, it, it keeps me talking about the, the day-night part a little bit, but I, it's a huge part of the set, so I don't think it's a problem if we stop and talk about this for a while, because it basically goes into the evaluation of every day-bound card. And that's because day and night, even though it's kind of fixed in this way, it is just so awkward to play with day and night. Like, a lot of these cards are pretty decent aggro cards, right? A lot of the cards that we're going to see, another Werewolf Lord... It really implies, like, play a lot of werewolves, go wide. But the moment you play a lot of werewolves and go night, it turns to day. And, like, all your cards stop being good. And then your opponent just casts one spell, and it goes to your turn, and it's day. 
and your deck is doing like half of what it wants to do. And your opponent can mess with it, but it's also very easy for you to mess up. And that's what I do really dislike about the mechanics still. There's, however, one interaction because of how they change day that I think is pretty cool. Uh, actually, it, it has some more to do with Nipe anyway. But the moment you slam a rule of law effect, it's permanently night. Because there's no way for two spells to be cast by one player in a turn. And that means that it, if you play a rule of law or an Archer of Emeria, it's just permanently night. And that's what you want with this deck. Yeah. Hmm. So maybe there's like night mid-range with like rule of law effects and that sort of thing. But I think wolves, aggro wolves, is just never going to be a thing just because of how well awkward the mechanic is. Like if I want the Arlen, which like the Arlen backside's very strong. Mm-hmm. You could have it enter as the backside. Oh, you get to zero and you get a 5-5 five, five trump with destructible haste. It's like, if I want a good four drop with haste, I'll just put questing beast in my, be- my deck. And I always have questing beast instead of occasionally have questing beast. Yeah. I can agree with that. Well, I mean, there are cards that uh, we're seeing that say when they enter the battlefield, if it's day, it becomes night and vice versa. So, I mean... I think that's just when it's... If you... they, I think they also, when they enter the battlefield, start tracking day. Well, there's one right here that's that's called... I don't think they actually swap it. No, there's one right here. Um, Except the... Uh, oh, it, if it's neither day or night, it becomes day. Yeah, so you, it starts yeah. tracking day. Um, yeah, there's a couple of cards that start tracking day and night, even though they're not nightbound, but they care about if night turns to day. And that's why they have to have that whole bunch of rule text that says the moment you play this and it isn't night or day, it becomes day and you start tracking it for the rest of the game, period. Now the actual card starts. Well, Alex, are you ready to parkour real quick? Sure. Because we just got a spoiler. Uh, I refreshed Mythic Spoiler and it came up for me. Um, oh, so I'm blind. You see the new spirit? The blue one? The three drop? The Geist Patrician. Yeah. It's another It's another lord. That one was up already for a while. Uh, I mean, I, I just now saw it. Either way, it's it's new enough. It's another lord. Um, a two man, or three mana, two, two. Two and a... Uh, two and a blue. It's a spirit knight with flying. Other spirits you control get plus one, plus one. And spells you cast from your graveyard cost one less to cast. Do you think spirits plays any number of these just for the lord aspect? Just to have another lord. I'm not sure. I can imagine you find the room for one or two. Uh, I think generally this card is worse than Empyrean Eagle. Just because Empyrean Eagle is a better body... Casting spells from the graveyard is completely irrelevant for spirits. Yeah. And that one also buffs Watcher of the Sphere, and this one doesn't. Um, but, you know, you have access... It's it's what I also always said with Shock and Wild Slash. It's like, when you have access to 8, I don't think 4 is ever the right number. But if you have access to... Well, like, it's not... It's not 4 isn't always the right number, which a lot of people do kind of think it is in deck building. The same here. If you have 12 lords, the answer is probably not always going to be 8. So then it's nice to have access to 9 or 10 if you want to, or the full 12. Right? If you run this in band, you just kind of go merfolk. Yeah. You just do the merfolk thing, and you just play all the lords. And in this case, a lot of them are going to be 3 mana, 
So you're just going to cocoa into a lot of lords. Yeah, I'm thinking of like the cocoa build. That seems um, kind of nasty. I was initially thinking like, oh, this allows you to drop white. But then I was like, huh, no. Spellqueller. Yeah, you don't want to do that. So, no. So it doesn't give you that aspect where like, hey, what if we got another... I mean, Merfolk would still not be good. You'd be running all your lords. But like, hey, what if Merfolk gets like... Master of the Pearl Dryden said, hey, now we can stop running, like, the Simic Lord, and maybe we can go out of green entirely, and that opens up other things. That This card doesn't do that. Mm -hmm. And hey, maybe there's good spirits out of the graveyard, and the second light attack is actually relevant, and this card becomes good. Yeah. All right, so, like I said, there's a fucking lot of spoilers. Uh, do you want to talk about the new human werewolf lord? Uh, well, I thought if we just go... September 1st for Mythic Spoiler, so we go up. Ah, Because there's well, a couple that, of cards that in the makes meantime sense. we can... That makes sense. Let me do that and we switch, because I'm looking at the main page. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> I'm just like, wow, look at all these cards. And I scroll down way too that far. That becomes hard. It becomes very unorganized. All right, so yeah, let's do Sereth, the Viper's Fang. It's a... Uh, Wait, you're scrolling all the way up to him? Well, where's Sereth, the Viper's Fang? Am I missing she, something? She leaked... Oh! September 1st. Oh, yeah, no, Ireland. I see this one. It's card... <clears throat> Yeah. Uh, two and a, or it's four mana, two and then two green for a 3-4 human warlock. Legendary, by the way, for you EDH players. Other tapped creatures you control have death touch. Other untapped creatures you control have hexproof. And you can also pay one and tap. Untap another target creature or land you control. And she's a 3-4. So. I mean, this card's just bad. Eh. It's, it, 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 it's four mana. Right, if this was like three mana for a two three, you could hit it off collected company. There's something to be said for it. This this card's just bad. Um because it's four mana, it's double green, so human warlock isn't actually a relevant creature type. I don't know. This this card's just kind of ass. I wish it was the other way around. I wish it was um untapped at death touch, tapped at hexproof. But I know that one never would make the hexproof part pretty shit. <laughs> <laughs> that made the Death Touch part pretty shit too. Oh, I, I like, oh, they're good blockers. Though. I like blockers. That makes them good blockers. Yeah, I like I like this as the fence thing more so as a. No, I, then I prefer this design because it encourages you attacking, mm -hmm. which I think is better gameplay than like making a wall of Death Touchers. But, hey, I'm gonna play. I'm gonna play seventeen one fives in my deck, and now they're all gonna have Death Touch. <laughs> uh, but I do like having a wall of hexproof boys. That's uh, that's pretty nice. I kind of if if this thing if it didn't cost any mana to untap a target creature or land, it might be worth something. I mean, it would it would have incredibly but, different implications on what the card does. It, we wouldn't even really give you, a shit about the other stuff. It'd be more like how do we abuse this tap and untap? Yeah, you'd probably just be. Yeah, I mean, but in that case, it's still four mana. But like that, uh -huh. just I don't know. It allows you to make like a bigger jump. You could play in like a ramp deck. You could use it as protection. So this would have to be killed first because it does. It still doesn't protect itself. With this ability. Well, anywho, moving on to the next day, where we actually got the stream and all the all the juicy spoilers. Um, take your pick. Uh, first one I want to talk about: Galvanic Iteration. This card's really good. Um, it's a blue and a red for an instant. When you cast your next instant or sorcery spell this turn, copy that spell. You may choose new targets for the copy, and it has a flashback of one blue and a red. They just slapped flashback on Teach by example. Yeah, and a and a really good cost for flashback too. Yeah, it's uh, I read I would fully expect this flashback cost to be like four or five. Mm -hmm. Like no, they just made it three, which is extremely good value. 
Like I, I, I am pretty confident I'm gonna end up playing at least a copy of the, of this in my Grixis deck. Mm-hmm. Um, I can imagine if your deck is built around this a little bit more, you might just run like the full four. I think this is a very good card. Yeah. Um, I I am not the person to evaluate this. Um, th- this is a spell slinger card. If you've seen one, um, I, I think it has combo potential. Um, as always with cards like this, um, I think it could just be good value, like for a control deck. Um, maybe Jeskai wants a copy or something like that as well. There's also a thing I really like about this. Now, granted, a straight up fork would have been better in this situation, but I, I think it's good that it's not a fork. Uh, it does prevent the blowout. Uh, with fork spells, the problem is I put a spell on the stack. I try and like dual caster mage it, and then if someone counters the original spell, the fork also fizzles. Mm-hmm. In this case, this card you play it. If it resolves, and I go to cast like a dig through time, I don't get like a dig through time and something trying to copy it. I just get two dig through time, and that means they would have to be countered separately. And what I like for this card too is that generally when you're playing like is it control deck or I mean even another Jeskai control deck or whatever, a very obvious card that people are going to use to protect their stuff with is Dovin's Veto. Mm-hmm. And it's very obvious when people have the Dovin's Veto. And if they play like something very scary, like let's say you're playing against Niv, which can often happen, and they, well, put the Niv, bring to light on the stack. You can preemptively just go Galvanic Iteration, Mystical Dispute it twice. And that protects against Dovin. That makes it so Dovin's Veto isn't that good protection. It's very costly, mm. but it can definitely be worth it because Dovin's Veto tends to back up extremely powerful spells. Yeah. Fun also, stuff. if you go this on the stack, cast approach of the second sun, you win. Yeah. Yeah. I thought about that too. But isn't Teach by Example also an instant? It's like that would work too. Yeah, it, it works with Teach by Example, but this card is just so much better than Teach by Example. Yeah. This is actually so blocked. I think that that gives it value. Yeah, this this card's playable, and I think Teach by Example is actually a good card, but it's close to playable. I think this is straight up. This is very playable. This is very good. All right. Uh, next, we have our first uh, mythic. Well, besides Arwen, I guess um, Enduring Angel, uh, two triple white for a three three angel, not legendary, with flying and double strike. You have hexproof. If your life total would be reduced to zero or less, instead transform Enduring Angel and your life total becomes three. Then, if Enduring Angel did not transform this way, you lose the game. The other side of Enduring Angel is Angelic Enforcer, which is a flying angel with star star for its power and toughness. You still have hexproof. Its power and toughness are equal to your life total, and whenever it attacks, you double your life total. So if you switch it the correct way, where you won't lose the game, which there's a way to, there's probably ways to transform it and cheat it and not lose the game with like things like Gideon Trial um, from Amonkhet. Uh, but if you do it the fair way, your life total becomes three. You're guaranteed, in theory, um, to, uh, you know, get six life and this can be a six six when it swings or not you not get six life but you go up to six because you double all right the, there's there's a couple there's well there's a myriad of problems with this card first of all it doesn't actually prevent you from losing the game it only prevents you from reduce from having your life total reduced to zero or less so if your opponent casts an approach to second zone you still lose so it doesn't work against that this card would i guess the idea is like oh yeah and it gives you hexproof so you don't get burned out Here's the play pattern. 
I tap five for Enduring Archangel. My opponent goes, cool, Wizard's Lighting the Archangel. Uh, Wizard Lighting the Angel, kill you. Yeah. <laughs> this is a very bad card. This should have Flash. Like, the remember the one from um, Return... Not Return of Ravnica. The, this should be uh, like Ravnica a 4-4. Four, four. Like, yeah, but the one from Ravnica Allegiance, that, that one that had Flash, where it's basically the same thing that doesn't yeah, yeah, play, yeah. it should do that. It just, just fuck the double strike part. Just give me Flying and Flash, all this other stuff. And I think this would actually be playable if it had flash where you could i think it would still be bad but it would be potentially playable yeah. and now it's just absolute garbage unfortunate cool card though cool design yeah, it's pretty cool it's just it's just incredibly weak a friend of mine actually said what if what if you have like a book in play and your life total becomes negative what happens with this card it it dies because your life total gets set to three but then Oh, yeah, because then it, your life just becomes three, it flips, and then power and toughness are equal to your life total. Yeah, yeah, of course, you had a negative life. Well, no, actually, here's the thing. <laughs> what if your life total is minus three, but you have four anthems in play? And this thing is a 1-1. One, one. If it swings, what actually happens to your life total? Like, I have no idea. Does it become minus eight? Hmm. I don't. Someone's going to have this happen to them in an EDH game, and they're going to need an answer. But yeah. that person is not me. So Or Arena. Huh. True. But I, I don't want to waste a mythic wild card for this experiment. <laughs> Absolutely not. Uh, um, all right, so next thing is we have our land cycle. Uh, huh? I When I saw the stream, and uh, I apologize for everyone on my Twitter. You baited the world. I did. I thought these Dick. were fast lands. I really did. They Okay, look. Read any one of them and tell me you would not gloss over and be like, oh, fast lands. All right. Deserted beach land. Deserted beach enters the battlefield tapped unless you control two or more other lands. So and then tap to add a blue or white. They're slow lands. So we got the allied colors. We got Selesnia, um, Demir, Rakdos, Gruul, and Azorius. So that's cool. So, okay, again, first, you see that wording, you see these colors, and you're like, oh, yes, 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 and then then sad. I mean, to be honest, I I, I could I could see where the mistake is made, but I'd be like, well, they're not going to give us C-Chrome Coast 5 through 8. Like, that seems very weird. They did it with Snarls, um, basically. No, they didn't reprint. The Snarls just didn't exist. They filled a hole that wasn't there. The Fastlands uh, exist, so you'd have to reprint identical cards. But I can see where the mistake's made, right? It, 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 it's fair. Be also because these cards are so... Well, I wouldn't say they're so bad, but, like, God, these are not good. I think they're, I think they're good. I could, the, the only situation where I could see these cards being good is if you're running, like, a two-color control deck, and you run, like, one or two. Okay, I, I think these are better than Checklands absolutely not these are better than checkpoints fight me because you want to play pathways now some number of those pathways already eat into your checkland slot because pathways are not recognized as your lands uh, actually wait it's it's two or more two or more so this is turn three you play these on turn three or later oh they already no i thought they entered untapped on turn four they actually no. enter untapped on turn three. Yeah, turn three. Yeah, then they might actually be pretty good. No, I'll, I'll give you that. Because the only situation where checks are better is on turn two, yeah. specifically. Yeah, exactly. Very specifically. Act yeah, actually, yeah, I'll give you that one. 
this these might actually be better than checks. Yeah, and then not playing. Then I'm pretty excited that there's a Demir one in this cycle and Arachnus one. Look at that. You have you have your colors right there. But for me, it's like I I think though. Like, I don't know if they're always better than checks, but there's definitely decks that, like, well, would have this over checks. Yeah, well, I think they're... But I don't think they're... I'm more inclined to play more numbers of these than checks, because now that we have pathways, again, pathways are the cards that do not... are not recognized as their respective land type, so they do not work with checks. And if you play more cards that don't have their land types, checks lose their value because then you have those awkward opening hands of like, this is a great seven, but my two lands is a pathway and a check. Okay. Now that problem still exists if you're two lands. That's what I'd say. That opening hand is still bad if you have two of these. But <laughs> If it's a pathway and this. Okay. You're right. That's why you don't want to pro probably play four. But you're, how many checks do you usually play? You don't, unless I mean, you don't I, have the cards, unless you don't have the cards, I will say, you actually, don't play four checks, the, you play two. The, this, the, this plus checklands hand is actually better. Uh, sorry, the, the, uh, this plus pathway hand is much better than the this plus check land, because that just implies there's checklands in your deck, which means none of them are enabled still. Yeah. And if you're running these, your hand, your deck's going to be like basics, pathways, uh, this and Shocklands. Mm -hmm. And they're like, hey, from turn three onwards, they're all going to be enabled now, no matter which one I draw. Yeah. So, yeah, actually, yeah, I thought, I read them wrong and I thought they were had to be your fourth land. They're your third land. Checks are bad on turn one, just like these. So they're only on turn two. Yeah, okay. You sold me. These cards are actually pretty decent. Now, they are decent in the entirely wrong decks though yeah we want them in aggro like, but they just made this is for better Niv, mana control for slow decks yeah better for niv better for control now i'm happy to run i'd probably still run some checks right i would probably i get what i said just if you have eight of something four is probably not always the right number i can imagine you just go four of this and then like Two checks or something, one or two, maybe even three checks if you want to have like very good mana in two colors. Um, but yeah, I would, yeah, I think you're right with how good pathways are. Potentially wanting to draw man lands, maybe some utility lands like Blast Zone. Look, and I'm gonna agree with you. Uh, Field of Ruin. I agree with you. Okay. Good, pretty good. In Rakdos, Azorius, and uh, Gruul, um, and even Demir, because I play uh, some Rogue. Selesnya, there's really not very many or any Selesnya decks yet in Pioneer. But four out of the fi these five colors, uh, these pairings, I will run these in aggro decks. You know why? Because I run in each of those at least two check lands. And I'm like, fuck that, because I'm running pathways. I'm, I'm running these. I'm, I'm running this. I'm running two hunted, uh, Haunted Ridge and Rakdos. I'm running some Shipwrecked Martian in, in Rogues. Yeah, maybe. I am running them because they're still consistent. It's it's really just like, man, the lands are so bad for those colors. Yeah, you're right. But look, I, I'm sorry. I'm going to do it. And the only one that, that, that hurts it the most is probably, um, I would say, Gruul and maybe Azorius for like things like Spirits. But honestly, for Rogues and Rakdos, I think those actually slot really nicely in those decks because they lean more towards mid-range than aggro anyway and you're only running two of those checks now rogues i'm running the full four because i'm a fucking heathen and i'm running 24 lands but i will probably run two of these in that i i think these are better than people give it credit for even in aggro decks it does feel bad i will give you that it's a huge feel bad that they're not fast lands 
but that does not make them unplayable even in those kinds of decks. I think this still can work because you're running checks anyway. You're running them anyway. If I can upgrade my checks, and I think theoretically this really does upgrade your checks, I'm going to do it. Yeah, I guess. It, it's still just like, come on. Now, I understand why the Fastland cycle wasn't printed here. Because, again, the Fastland cycle was tied to Mirrodin, mm -hmm. which gives us a small chance to get them into Brothers War, uh, potentially. That's a year from now. Um, it's over a year from now. It could no! even... Or maybe Dominaria United, uh, because if we're going to see Karn, that's... they could be like in... Karn like telling a story That's still a about Mirrodin. But before that, we're not going to get them. And yeah, I I assume that means this cycle is just going to be finished in Crimson Vow immediately. Oh yeah, definitely. Also, by the way, fuck your standard format yet again. No, these these like, work great with pathways. What do you mean? Again, they're not checks. Because well, as opposed to Fastlet, it this just encourages slow decks. It does encourage slow decks more than aggro decks. Okay, Alex, so pull, pull up. You're just gonna play monocolored aggro pull up, again. Pull up standard twenty two and tell me that says nothing. Hold on, hold on. It's a best of one event without midnight hunt. Okay, okay, no, no, no. I'm saying pull up the card pool for the future standard and tell me what fucking multicolored aggro deck can you run? There is hardly any good aggro cards right now in that in that format in standard. In the future standard. Yeah, that's the problem. Yeah, it's not It's not the lands. And that, this doesn't help. It's not the lands that are the problem. It's well, them, it's both. It's them saying, we don't want to give you aggro stuff anyway. It's 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 both. If you've got half a good red deck and half a good green deck, you could at least slap it together into a decent gruel your, deck. But you can't even do that because your mana is ass. Your future aggro decks are going to be vampires and zombies. It's not even going to be werewolves. It's going to be vampires and zombies. Yeah, but looking at somebody's card, it would probably be Rectal's vampires. But the mana's bad, so you're probably going to see if you can fit it in one color. Yeah. Well, I mean, okay, look, I, I am I am very tempted if we get more good red or Rakdos uh, vampires. I think so far it doesn't quite cut it. We're not there yet. Um, nope. We'll see what comes in. I'm, and I, I was talking about this with, uh, with another player on the Discord who's another vampire player. And I'm like, well, look, I think this Rakdos card is a good card. We'll get to it in a little bit. Um, and I think it can be worth it if we get the other, the other good cards. But it's not worth completely switching over to a new color right now when we are a month away from getting a dedicated vampire set that might revert us back to mono black anyway. So we'll see. Yeah. We will see. Um, but uh, now we're, we're at some of the juicy stuff, Alex. Um do you want to go over Jadar or the Wolf Boy Foist? Uh, I'll quickly touch on Jadar. Um, Jadar, Ghoul Caller of Nephalia, is one in a black for a 1-1. One, one. I keep I keep reading it as Necrophilia. Ghoul Caller of Necrophilia. Good God. So, one in a black for a 1-1 one, one Human Wizard, Legendary. At the beginning of your end step, if you control no creatures with Decayed, create a 2-2 two, two zombie creature token with Decayed. Now, decayed means it can't. You get a token, but this token can't block. And when it attacks, you immediately sacrifice it at the end of combat. So it's like a one-shot zombie token, but yeah. it can't block. Now, obviously, this card doesn't care if it dies immediately, because that means you meet the requirement to get another one on your end step. So it's a pretty decent value 
peace. It has some zombies. The decayed zombies are constantly dying. This might be triggering something, ideally. Or maybe at the after it's dealt its damage, but before it actually gets sacrificed, or with the trigger on the stack or whatever. You just sacrifice it to something else for value. And like <sighs> it's like a very bad bitter blossom. Yeah, I'd rather play the one that makes you an amass token for more of the spark. The uh enchantment. Oh, the um the Rise of the Dreadmarn or whatever? No, that's the other one. The that's called Rise Horde. of the Dreadhorde? Similar, yeah, I think so. The one of the black <clears throat> for the enchantment that just yeah, I'd amasses rather, one. I, every I'd time. rather play that. Because you you want it's your upkeep, not your end step. You get it earlier in your turn. Um, it, in the kind of deck that wants yeah, it... Yeah, but this one... It goes wide. You get it immediately in your turn. It's like this at the beginning of your hands up. So you play it, you pass the turn, you already got your zombie. Yeah, but you, the other one is your upkeep. It's still your turn. You're saying, oh, saying the turn it comes in. You're saying the turn it comes in. Yeah, the turn it comes in, this immediately gives you a token. Okay, the other yeah, one doesn't, fair. so it's better tempo. I don't know. I, I, but think, it's, like, I think they're uh, both... It's, nah. I don't like it. I, th I think it's just... Yeah. It's a, think, one, it's a one one. It dies I initially, when I saw it, I think it was leaked and it was very low quality. I didn't notice the legendary border. So I thought you could just have four of these. And then, like, it's end a, step, four triggers on the stack. You get a zombie, second for value, get a zombie, second for value, get a zombie, second for value, and then keep the last one. And it, I thought that'd be pretty cool, but it's legendary, I so mean, yeah. that doesn't work. I think this card would actually be pretty cool if it wasn't legendary, because you could do that with it. True. But it does get sacrificed... So, Mayhem Devil? Shenanigans? No, no not in this deck. Eh. No, stop that. There's a better card for Jun to uh, sacrifice, which we'll bump into way later, actually. So, talk about our human werewolfy boy, Brad. Tovalar, Dire Overlord. He's a three drop. One, and then red and a... I uh, almost said blue. Red and a green. He's a gruel boy. Legendary creature, human, werewolf. Whenever a wolf or werewolf you control deals combat damage to a player... Draw a card. At the uh, beginning of your upkeep, if you control three or more wolves and or werewolves, it becomes night. Then, transform any number of human werewolves you control, and you flip them into a wonderful Tolvar the Midnight Scourge. He's a legendary werewolf. He's a 4-4. His human form is a 3-3. I don't think I said that. Whenever a wolf deals combat damage or werewolf deals combat damage, draw a card, still has that. And then it has the ability of you can pay X and then red and a green. Target wolf or werewolf you control gets plus X plus O and gains trample until end of turn. This is a Lovely callback. Yeah, this is a genuinely good lord for the, the tribe. The activated ability is the activated ability of the land Kassik wolf run. Nice. I think it's nice. a cool one. That's cute. Um, yeah, I think this card's pretty good. Um, it just, honestly, it... So, together with Arlen, these two cards make the werewolf mechanic tick a little bit better than it or than it does, with, even with the improvements. Because this one says, hey, at the beginning of your upkeep, if you could draw three or more wolves, it becomes night. Now, funnily enough, um, as far as I know, it becomes day the moment the turn starts. I don't exactly know how the timing works, but if I see this right... If your opponent decides to cast no spells, so it becomes day in um, your turn, and you have this guy on the field, I believe it just goes, it's day. Oh, wait, it's night. And all your werewolves transform back again. 
so you can maintain that it's night. I don't know if it works that way, but it, it, it feels like it should work that way, if I read this. But, um, so that that's to be to be figured out. I didn't actually think about this beforehand, otherwise I would have tried to look it up or asked our judges. But, um, so it's good there, but I do again have the problem that, by the way, it is cool that this triggers per wolf or werewolf. So if you hit them with three, you just draw three cards, which is pretty good. Um, but the werewolf mechanic is less clunky if you have one of these two cards. But if you don't, you're being clunky. Now, maybe this card just works if there's just a bunch of human werewolves that are just good cards on the front, kind of like he is, that are just good cards on the front, and then you could just build a good aggro deck. And, you know, sometimes it flips to night, and you get an even better card. And it just goes in an aggro deck, right? If it's just a bunch of good wolves, right? We had the, the double green one from Adventures in the Forgotten Realms. You've got that one. You have, like, two of these. You get some other just, like, generically good wolves. And then sometimes this flips to night. It draws you some cards. You can hit it off Collected Company. It, it could be pretty decent. I think it's good for the tribe. Even outside of a dedicated wolf deck. Yeah. I could just see this <clears throat> card being... And uh, I listened to the uh, the uh, Resleevables podcast of Cedric Phillips and uh, Patrick Sullivan. Mm -hmm. Amazing podcast, by the way. I recommend it to everyone. And uh, Patrick Sullivan touched on the fact that he doesn't like the fact that so many cards encourage aggro decks to go like one uh, tribal decks to be like 100% of that tribe. And he actually mentioned like he really likes it in Pioneer Burn that there's Wizards Lightning, but the card doesn't need wizards so you're only running like 12 or 16 wizards yeah so there's a wizard package in your deck <clears throat> and this card could lead to a wolf package without having to be a dedicated wolf deck and i think that's pretty cool yeah i agree we do have an angel now well another angel it's a recognizable face it's sigarda champion of light one green double white for a four four legendary angel with flying and trample Humans you control get plus one, plus one. That was not what I expected when I first saw this card. I'm like, oh, cool, <laughs> a human lord as an angel. Um, and then it has Coven. Coven is a new mechanic. And the thing about Coven is it's always going to ask for three or more creatures with different powers. So whenever Sigarda attacks, if you control three or more creatures with different powers, look at the top five cards of your library. You may reveal a human creature card from among them and put it into your hand. Put the rest in the bottom of your library in any order. Alex, are you letting out a sigh of relief that this does not say put on the battlefield tapped and attacking? <laughs> I kind of wish it did. Oh, yeah? Because... I don't think this card is good, um, because it le it like you're playing this in humans, obviously. Yeah, uh, it's not good enough without any of the human stuff. So it's a four drop. It puts you in green, which you currently don't want to be in, uh, but that might change. Um, but it's a four drop. You don't need off collected company. Um, so I don't think this makes the cut. And and this is uh, completely like personal because I fully. I wasn't surprised at all that she buffs humans because the previous Sigarda gave humans hexproof. 
Like, it's sort of the idea that I believe she was the only angel not to be corrupted, and she's, like, protecting the humans. So I think it, she has a lot of human synergy. Strangely enough, because the first Sigarda had nothing to do with humans. So I guess it's just, like, as the others, like, all got corrupted, they're like, oh, I guess I'll have to cradle the humans so they don't all die. Um, and I don't know. And, and I build a Celestia humans deck with Sigarda at the top, and I thought it was super cool. Like, I was just new to magic. And I would have kind of loved it to play a human deck and just slam an angel at the top of this deck that actually does something cool. Flavor-wise, it's so, awesome. So, I, 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 yeah, I, it's super cool. I kind of wish it put it on the battlefield, but I could see why it doesn't do that. I mean, digging five Also for standard pretty, purposes. Pretty deep. Because Coven isn't very hard to trigger. No, not at all. Especially with the tribe humans where you're going to have, you know, your 1-1 one, one on turn 1, your 2-something, three, 3 power. That's easy. That's easy. Yeah, like, I mean, Sigarda buffs, but you need to hit, like, 2-3-4, and she is the 4. So, really easy. Yeah. To, uh, to trigger Coven. Which I think is actually cool. That Coven is pretty easy to trigger. It gives it a higher chance to see play outside of it. And most Coven effects are pretty tame. So it's going to be nice gravy on the cards. It's like, oh, this card's already pretty good, and Coven ability's nice. This is going to go in, like, my Stompy deck, or whatever. I think it's cool. And speaking of mechanics in the set, we have a returning mechanic. It's Investigate. With Secrets of the Key, one blue for an instant. Investigate. If this spell was cast from a graveyard, investigate twice instead, and it has flashback of three and a blue. So you have two returning mechanics slapped onto one card. Now, ignoring this card, are you happy to have Investigate back? Because <laughs> this is not a good card, but whatever. No, this card is absolutely awful. Um, so I like Investigate as a mechanic, though I will say I mainly, I really like Thraben Inspector. Uh, <laughs> I think I'm like most people. It's like, do you like Investigate? It's like, I do really like Thraben Inspector. <laughs> but I don't know if it goes for many other cards, uh, especially because... I don't know, I don't find this to be, like, a mechanically, like, super deep set. Mm -hmm. um, we've, we haven't talked about Disturbed yet, Disturbed yet, because it's not, overall, not a very good mechanic, but, like... Yeah, it's just, it feels uh, kind of... At least a lot of cards on it. Feels but like, thrown in. Disturb is just flashback for creatures. Flashback is, like, the most self-explanatory mechanic ever. Uh, Coven is not a very hard mechanic to understand. I feel like... They thought day and night, which it might actually be, especially for new players, was like such an intense mechanic that it really feels like they kept everything else easy. Because mm -hmm. Investigate isn't actually the most interesting mechanic. It's mainly that like it can give card draw to white, which is what people like. It's like, Investigate's pretty cool. You've got artifact synergies. It's I'm, I'm pretty happy to see it, but also not like... I wouldn't have missed it if it wasn't there. Yeah. Wait for our... Uh, you know, it, we better get a 3 win Inspector reprint. I want it. Give it back. Like, if you wanted to give us simple mechanics, you could have given a cycling, and I would have been up here. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Right, whenever we need to fill a hole with a simple mechanic, I would always like it if they just put in cycling. Cycling awesome. should be evergreen. Yes, 100%. But next, Alex, we have another werewolf. But this time... Oh, no. My wonderful color pie. It's broken. You put a werewolf in white in the werewolf theme <laughs> set? How dare you? It's Brutal Cathar, two and a white for a 2-2 two, two human mean? werewolf. It goes perfectly in Naya Wolves with your rule of all 
a rule of law effect. Well, we'll see later and see that we also have black wolves too. So um, when this creature enters the battlefield or transforms into brutal Cathar, exile target creature and opponent controls until this creature leaves the battlefield. And that's the daybound. And then nightbound, it's a uh, moon rage brute has first strike. It's a three, three wolf or werewolf. And it has ward of pay three life. Um, I, th- I think it's as solid. I don't know if it's pioneer playable, but I think it's a standard yeah. playable card. It's a it's a solid card, and I and I like I like this one quite a bit because it's good when it becomes a wolf, but it also your opponent might be hesitant to make it day because mm-hmm. this card's just gonna rack up cards that are exiled underneath. Yeah, so I think that's pretty cool. It makes you super vulnerable to a board wipe. <laughs> like, at one point, there's like three creatures under this. Your opponent just wipes the board and like <laughs> has a whole battlefield but, immediately. But then there's then there's the thing of but, their deck building. It's like, why are you playing a heavy creature deck and also yeah, what, board wipes? I don't know. I was bored. I played some historic and someone played White Weenie. And then when I was winning, I got Wrath of God. And I was like, what? <laughs> 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 you never know. But... Yeah, but this card's pretty solid. I think it's cool. You can you can hit it off Collected Company uh, if you want to go into this like, uh, you know, it's all it's always night um, werewolf deck. This one fits in pretty well, even though you might want to flip it often, but you don't have to. It's an O ring, and if it makes, I guess if it enters Nightbound, you never get this effect. You just have a three mana three three first strike. So that's yeah. a little annoying, but still, it's pretty cool. Um, then a lot I suppose of we can have a quick uh, one quick one to uh, sort of tell everyone how Disturb works mm-hmm. so Bait Hook Angler it's the, it's the easiest one it's one and a blue for a 2-1 human peasant and when it and that's all it does on the field but then when it's in the graveyard you could pay one and a blue again and Disturb the card which means you cast it but as you cast it it, well, as it enters, it's transformed. And the backside, uh, backside is Hook Haunt Drifter. And it's a 1-2 Flying Spirit. So he died, came back as a ghost. With the extra thing on it, if it now would be put in a graveyard from anywhere, it gets exiled instead. So you yeah. can't just disturb this over and over and over and over again. Which, so they all have that staple to them. Yeah, they can come back once as a spooky boy, and when they die, they're gone. It makes sense, because they're going from a person and then becoming a spirit because they all become spirits on the disturbed on the flip side yeah and then if you destroy the spirit then how does the spirit come back it's gone so flavorful makes sense um i don't think it's a very very good mechanic for constructed i think it's a cool mechanic for um for limited um but uh otherwise yeah it's fine yeah it's gonna be hard to make this work outside of that but it's still pretty cool um, I want to jump because I, mean, I don't think there's anything else uh, up here until. Uh, it's just one card I want to touch on, and it's Definestrate. Uh, because I just love the art of. Um, it's just someone getting chucked through the gla- stained glass window of a church. Uh, and I've already seen so many altars of like that one where like Ralph like throws himself through the glass. And <laughs> I'm going to argue with you and tell you that. Um... The art actually implies that he's going towards the window. No. Yeah. The flavor text. Well, okay. The flavor text is doing it at all. And the wi- the glass is already shattered and there are shattered glass all around him. As he flies towards the window, he is about to shatter. Yeah, but look at... 
Yeah, but look at the um, look at the uh, what's it called? The window itself. The um, <laughs> the what's it called? The framing is intact, one hundred percent, and there's no way he fit through these tiny ass little slots without hitting the framing. I don't know. These cathedrals could be big. You could throw a person through one of these windows. Easy. Mm, maybe. It's a big-ass church. Like, this guy isn't, like, th- being thrown out of a uh, local chapel, but... It looks like a smaller window, but it, it could just be the uh, the depth perception. Like, I could see what you mean. It could also, if you, like, completely, like, go by perspective, it could also just be, like, a giant person scaling the wall. Yeah. Yeah, I like that, too. <laughs> Uh, next card just alter it so there's a little rope that is going up <laughs> next card i want to talk about not because it's good but because it it, it implies what our next planeswalker is going to be either in this set or the next set maybe uh light of the night it's uh x and a red for a sorcery light of the night deals x damage to any target it deals x plus one damage instead uh if that target is a creature or planeswalker and has flashback of three and a uh, red remove x loyalty counters from among planeswalkers you control if you cast a spell this way x cannot be zero um i don't give a fuck about this card it's not very good but the art is chandra so yeah so chandra there card's bad because looks like we're wish getting, it was instant looks like we're gonna chandra again um it's been a it's been a little bit since we got into Chandra Planeswalker, right? It was... Uh, um, was it a Corsa? What was the last yeah, one? Yeah, M20 for Awakened Inferno. Oh. That's pretty cool. Yeah, so it's been a, been a bit. So, yeah. Time for some Chandra. Well, and I've got to beat Torch of Defiance anyway. So. The three... The three... M- no, no, no. We got we got an M21 Chandra. M21. Because there was the four drop, right? The the bad four drop. You didn't even remember it. It wasn't no. very, it wasn't very I good. so... I think it was Oops. in 21. I think that says enough. Got the hiccups. Um, right. um, at least there was one in like the Planeswalker deck. Chandra Flame Catalyst. So I guess there was one in M. Oh, we had the five mana one. Chandra Heart of Fire. Oh, yeah. Heart of Fire. That's what it was. Okay, it was five mana. The one that like plus one to shock something. Yeah. Anyway, we're getting her back. Brilliant. Pretty cool. But now, this is a card that I'm excited for. Is uh, that say Pop It? I thought it was a Puppet. Puppet Stitcher. It's a human wizard for a 2-3. Two, 2 and a blue. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell, create a 2-2 two, two black zombie creature token with decayed at the beginning of your upkeep. If you control three or more creature tokens, you may transform Poppet Stitcher. And then you get, on the flip side, Poppet Factory, which is an artifact. Creature tokens you control lose all abilities and have base, power, and toughness 3-3. Three, three. At the beginning of your upkeep, you may transform Pop-Up Factory. So it's nice that on both sides, it's a you may transform it. I fucking hate this thing. Is it just called Puppet Factory? It's Pop-It. <laughs> it's pop so... It. Pop-It. Pop-It Factory. Um, I think it's. I think this is a really cool card. I think this is has great build-around potential for an actual deck. Um, and uh, yeah, I think there's a... I, I think there, the ceiling on this card is really cool. Um, on its own, just in a spell slinging deck... Uh, make a bunch of two twos decayed, hold them back, and then flip them, um, and then you have a bunch of three threes oh. that don't die from attacking. The problem is you hold them back, but they can't even block. But this card's still pretty decent, right? It's. I agree with you that I initially thought like this card is ass, but like it's, it's all right. It's pretty easy to flip. You only need three. Yeah. Right. If you're playing like Azorius tokens or whatever. You just, or like some Azorius deck, you play this, and on your opponent's end step, you just cast Raise the Alarm. Ta-da! Three tokens in your upkeep. Flip it. Ooh, Grixis. Um, Pyromancer. 
with like or even is it pyromancer yeah but I, I was thinking of village rights seems really good in this kind of deck too oh yeah village rights and then like thought seas where you get these triggers off mm-hmm. fatal yeah. push making making some it's... tokens off of that um i mean if you have because turn two you go pyromancer turn three this I... guy that's kind of cool i just worried that this card's gonna fall victim to Luris existing mm. and like this guy's a three drop i don't know if you if he's good enough to not put Luris in your deck if you're playing something like a pyromancer if, style deck, but if you play, if you do, if you play this card, you have the ability to play Sedgemore Witch, which is pretty good. Yeah, but you have that and Sedgemore Witch, but you pyromancer is probably still the best one of all of them. Mm-hmm. So then you're running like twelve token makers when you cast spells, or I mean, I guess it makes the Puppet Factory very good. Yeah, <laughs> you, that's that's, some, that's it's just twelve of those all instants of sorceries. Call it a day, yeah. Or you can just yeah. go into like something like Bant and just like it's like you're splashing blue for like Selesnya tokens, and you're just you're literally playing this for the Poppet Factory. Yeah, I can honestly see that where you hardly care about the first line of text, but it can come up again. You're raised the alarm, you're March of the Multitude, that sort of thing. Yeah, but you're mainly just like all my tokens are one ones. Pop, now they're not. Yeah, and March Multitudes we know can get out of hand. So because convoke and shit. So you're like, I have ten one ones, and here they go. Yeah, that that that's I'm I'm interested in this card. This this has really cool deck building potential. Then bunch of random werewolves. Um, there's uh, foul foul play, which makes me a little sad that it's not an instant. But I totally understand why. Should be an instant. One of the black for sorcery. Destroy target creature with power two or less. Investigate. It's it's very good value because you're actually like eventually drawing a card of your removal spell, which is sweet, mm-hmm. but like sorcery just makes this bad and it's already super restricted. Yeah. We got a reprint of Thermal Alchemist. Um, we got this artifact, Geist Flame Reservoir, which seems kind of bad. Play Dynavolt Tower. Yeah. Like, I just thought about this. It's like, I would just play Dynavolt Tower because that doesn't cost any mana to tap. But you think, yeah, you could go one on a black, tap. Uh, sorry, one on a red, tap. You could play the top card of your library, whatever. It's Dynavolt Tower with more potential value but all the counters are stacked on your one reservoir so if someone just pops that you lose all your progress sad if you run dynavolt tower you get energy and then hey i drew another dynavolt tower i guess i'm just pumping the energy into this one mm-hmm. and that card sadly sees zero play so then there's uh can't stay away which is a uh an upgrade i would say from revival um there was a split card revival, whatever, and the other side just doubles your life. Revival total. revenge. Yeah, uh, it's can't stay away. Uh, Orzov, white and a black for a sorcery. Return target creature card with mana value three or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. It gains if this creature would die. Exiled instead, so you cannot loop it over and over again, just like disturbed. And it has flashback of three white and a black for five. So I mean, this is cool in a Luris deck. It can get back Luris, which is pretty nice. Um, so when you climb up to three for two, again, we already have a card in Pioneer for this kind of cost. It's Revival Revenge. Um, Revival is the hybrid of Orzov. Um, so two mana, hybrid, hybrid Orzov. Same exact text, except it doesn't have the if, if this creature would die exile instead clause, and no flashback. So you're trading that for flashback, and you lose the other side on the Revenge, which is very niche in weird circumstances where you probably don't usually want to use that. Um, but if Revival doesn't see any play, do you think this sees that much play? It does the flashback make it that much better? No. I, 
No, especially because you have that clause like if this creature would die, exile it instead. Uh-huh. Um, so like that makes it clunkier. So like it adds some clunk to it, but you get some more value out of it. I don't know. Like I, I don't think this is good enough. It's a nice value piece, but it just really feels like this is just not the game that we're playing. Right? We're we're not like reviving our single value three drops like cool card for hero right but we don't play hero yeah like hero of precinct one is in the card so it like, would be would have been cool if a deck like that was around i know i wish it was it's so hard to make that deck work i mean nice art though kitties gonna buy i'll i'll probably buy like a a full art like foil one for my girlfriend if it's not too expensive it won't but be i guarantee it'll like, be like a dollar probably but that that's about it speaking of bad girlfriend cards, value actually well let me let me uh before we go into the bad card that i think this is genuinely a bad card i'm really fucking disappointed because i love curses as a, as a card type uh let's talk about bane blade scoundrel um i was joking earlier about like oh my god my color pie break blah 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 it's a it's a black werewolf it's a four mana black werewolf whenever it uh becomes blocked it's a it's an awesome one of that uh, my, holy that art is cool yeah it's also a rogue Human Rogue Werewolf, whenever um, Bane Blade Scoundrel becomes blocked, each creature blocking it gets minus one, minus one until end of turn. It's a 4-3, and it flips into a 5-4 Werewolf, and then as the same thing, it gets minus one, minus one, and then whenever a creature blocking uh, Marauder dies, uh, the controller loses, it drains you for one. Well, it actually doesn't even drain you because you don't gain the one. It's just they lose one life. Um, it's not particularly great. I'm sure it's pretty good and limited. Um, but uh, again, just it just breaks. We have a better Black Werewolf coming up later, but this is our first peek at like, oh my god, my color pie break. My werewolves are supposed to be cool. How could you do this, wizards? How could you do this? Fuck you. Shut the fuck up. Who cares? Who honestly gives a shit? <laughs> Did you, you actually see people complain about this? Yes, I've seen it on Twitter. <laughs> I've, oh. I've seen people in like in some of the discords like also being like how could they were you? surprised that the werewolf set was gonna move werewolves out of gruel right exclusively like what 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 did you <laughs> expect i'm so confused by that um but yeah anyway um bad card curse of leeches <sighs> alex you read it two and a black for a curse so an aura you attach to your opponent and champ player at this per- as this permanent transforms into Curse of Leeches, attach it to a player. It, it flips, so basically this says the moment it flips out of being a creature, you immediately slap it onto a person again. At the beginning of a channel player's upkeep, drain him for one. And then when it's night, it is a 4-4 leech with lifelink. So when it's night, you do have a 3-3 three, three, three mana 4-4 four, four lifelink. But when it's day, you have a curse that sucks. Yeah. If the curse was any better, like, honestly, if it was if it was drained for two, maybe, because that can stack up, actually. Draining for one is so bad. I feel like draining for two would have actually made it pretty damn good. Yeah, I, I think so. I think they are wary with curses because curses can turn into very, very uninteresting win conditions. I mean... Like, if this would drain for two, I could tell you what my game plan would be. I just slap one of these bad boys on my opponent and I wait for ten turns. Yeah. And that's generally not very enjoyable. So, But then they should have just made it something else. Yeah. Why didn't it just, like, give you a 1-1? One, one, a 1-1 one, one leech every turn? Are, weren't they literally leeches in Strixhaven? Weren't they, like, the yeah, they were, little they were. bitey boys? Weren't yeah. they literally leeches? I think I so. I could have just made a leech every turn. Mm. 
Like your opponent loses one and you create a leech. Oh, what if it was And then this? we make no, I like I like this better. Okay. You make a you make a one one leech or even an O one leech, right? With the ability at the beginning of Enchanted Player's upkeep, they lose you drain it for one. So each turn you get another leech and they stack and they start draining and draining and draining. Yeah. That would have been fine. Would have been funnier. Because eventually you're draining them for five every turn because they don't deal with your stupid leeches. You're like, ha, fuck you. And uh, I mean, at this point, we, we'll, we'll make the back. The backside would have to be worse, but like, you could you could leave it the same. I really think you'd be fine. Uh, again, potentially uninteresting win condition. But again, also, if you want to make a carp like this, but you have to nerf it's it. It's already an uninteresting win condition. It's just a twenty turn clock instead of ten. It's still uninteresting. Yeah, it doesn't no, change well, that. I know, but what I was trying to get to is that if they think this makes for an uninteresting win condition and therefore they have to make it so bad that it's not playable, then design a different card. Yeah. Don't make the card. Yeah. Right? Like, you know, you can, you can make, like, a card that is, like, a, a, a creature with lifelink that can't be countered, hexproof, can't leave the battlefield unblockable blah 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 but then make it like a nine drop but then like at that point why did you even make the card mm. and i kind of get the same feeling with this one yeah. why'd you even make it well as we go into the next day oh there's a lot of good stuff there's some gas here all right take your pick i guess i'll start off with whatever on earth this is called consuming ooze three green green for a star slash star plus one Consuming Ooze's power is equal to the number of card types in uh, um, equal to the number of card types among cards in your graveyard, and its toughness is equal to that plus one. So it's a Tarmogoyf, but it only counts for you, Tarmogoose, rather than your opponent. It's Tarmogoose. I like Tarmogoose, but yeah, sure. Oh, Tarmogoose. Yeah, you you <laughs> you lagged out for a second, so I was like, I could hear what you were saying. Yeah, Tarmogoose. Uh, Tarmogoose is better. Um, at the beginning of your end step, create a green ooze creature token with the same text, except it doesn't copy itself. So it's just biogenic ooze, but then a little different. Yeah, eh, it's all right. I, I I like the throwback to Tarmogoyf, but I actually thought it tracked your opponent too, because this card is currently in. Sorry, I don't know what language, and um. Um, it looks like it's um. Yeah, I can't figure it out on this one either. Anyway, it's. It's in a language I can't read, which is most languages on this planet. I think it's, I think and it's Chinese. a friend of mine just said like, yeah, it's oh, it's Tarmogoyf and it copies. And I was like, oh, cool. So I didn't actually read it until now. And I figured out that it doesn't actually track your opponent. So that's cool for throwback. But yeah, whatever. Next card's pretty great. Right of Harmony? Yes. It is a... Not actually for Pioneer, though. But maybe. It's a Selesnia instant. So green and a white. And it says, whenever a creature enchantment enters the battlefield under your control this turn, draw a card. Well, it looks like you're going to splash white. F- and it has flashback four, uh, two, and it's Lesnia. Um, splash white into your elves deck, Alex. No, I don't think you actually do. Uh, maybe in modern. I think in modern you might. I don't think you do it in pioneer. So What's... this is very reminiscent of the card Glimpse of Nature. Yeah, isn't that banned? Which is in modern. Which is banned in modern. Uh, that is one under one green for sorcery. Whenever you play a creature spell this turn, draw cards. It's a little bit different. This works with tokens, for example. That one doesn't. But like the problem, why glimpse of nature is uh, banned is because of cards like Heritage Druid, 
mm-hmm. that basically mean that as long as you keep playing elves, you will keep getting mana to play more elves and draw more cards. So you draw into more elves. So you basically just draw your entire deck in like one turn, if you're lucky. Uh, this doesn't do that in Pioneer because there's no, there is no Heritage Druid to like keep going and going and going. And I think that makes this card a little bit of a tough sell. But I mean, right? You go end step. I mean, I've never mentioned this card like five times every show at this point. But if you go like four mana end step, right of harmony, then play, um, then play raise the alarm. Do you know spend two mana to draw two? Pretty good value. You can flash it back later. Yeah. Or if you go like, you know, instead of going my um, March of the Multitudes for eight, I'm going to do it for six and draw six cards on top. That's pretty good. So that's good things you can do with this. It's a very powerful card. I just don't know if Pioneer has the tools to break it. I think other formats definitely do. Yeah. I agree. It's a very good card. Very cool card. Moving up the curse. Um, I think this curse is good. This curse is pretty good. Curse of Shaken Faith, one in a red, uh, or a curse, enchant player, whenever enchanted player cast a spell other than the first spell they cast each turn or copies of a spell, Curse of Shaken Faith deals two damage to them. So, I mean, you know, I, I think this is pretty good. Hello, Lotus. Yeah. It's like, please stop that. <laughs> yeah, this this reminds me of Ashen Zealot uh, and Eidolon. It's just a different take on what those cards do. Eidolon is whenever they cast something that's cheap. Ash Zealot is whenever they cast something out of their graveyard. And it's just whenever they cast more than one thing. And it's just a different Punisher effect. It It's one-sided, though, this one, which mm-hmm. is very big. Right? Eidolon can have the problem that at one point you lock yourself under your own Eidolon. This never does that because it only affects your opponent. I could see the Lotus. Hilariously enough. Yeah, you can play this in Lotus yeah. in the mirror. That's how it's not good. And just go like turn whatever some early turn. You just, I don't know, go like wish, curse you. Good job doing your Lotus, you know, good luck doing your Lotus thing. But then I guess just like against every opponent, like with Damping Sphere, he'll just go like, okay, cool, got a Void Snare out of my sideboard, bounce it, you're dead now. But it is pretty cool. Now, Maybe this, not good against Lotus. This but. one doesn't seem particularly great, but I think the design is really cool uh flame channeler it's an uncommon one in a red for a two two human wizard and then it says when a spell you control deals damage transform flame channeler and then it becomes embodiment of flame which is a elemental wizard a three three whenever a spell you control deals damage put a flame counter on embodiment of flame and then you can pay one remove a flame counter from enchant um, embodiment of flame exile the top card of your library you may play that card this turn this, is this really, card's fantastic. This is really cool. I'm, I would not be surprised at all, and I might actually expect that this card goes in burn. It is unbelievably easy to transform. Yeah, it's like whenever a spell you control deals damage. Yeah, you go face. It literally deals damage. It doesn't even have to go face. You yeah, could anything. shock a creature. Like it just, it's this is just basically when you cast a red spell, transform. It, it's stupidly easy. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and they're both, it's wizard on both sides too, so it triggers. Uh, uh, yeah, exactly. That's what, that's what I was trying to go at, but lost my, yeah, lost my thread. It's a wizard on both sides. 
So it always enables Wizard's Lightning. Oh, and it doesn't have to It's tap. basically a two mana three three. It's just it's just it's it's pay one exile tough card. Yeah, and it it's value. It's value late game. Like this this card is super good. And I can see this making its way into burn. And if I would like, you know, you know, like knife to my throat, what do you make of it now? It's like I think this makes it in burn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's I, super good. Two mana, three three. Relevant creature type, value, love it. Easiest to flip card ever. Yeah, this is actually. I think there's a card that just taps and flips itself. <laughs> like that is the only card that is easier to flip. But yeah, I think this is really cool. Two drop. Yeah, this is. Yeah, looks good to me. We also got um, is it Giza or G's, uh It's Giza, right? Or is it? With, I think it's. Is it with a J sound? It's, I think it's Giza. I think it's Giza and Gerald on the original one. So, well, Giza, yeah, Giza Glorious Resurrector. Is Gerald dead? I have no idea. I don't think he's having a good time because Giza's featured on like seven cards and he's just nowhere. Well, we have a four mana, two double black for a four four legendary creature, human wizard. If a creature an opponent controls would die, you exile instead. At the beginning of your upkeep, put all creature cards exiled with Giza, Glorious Resurrector, onto the battlefield under your control, and they gain Decayed. So this is like a uh, a combination between um, Kalidus and uh, the Scarab God. Kinda. Uh, I, I don't know what to make of this card. I I feel like it's much worse than Kalidus. Yeah. Because Kalidus just does more of what you want it to do because Kalidus makes zombies, which sure isn't as good. as prob- It's prob- probably not as good as getting your opponent's card, but it has decayed. Mm-hmm. I think it might be close, but maybe. Um, but Kalidus has the aspect of like gaining you a billion life, and this card doesn't. So I think that just means Kalidus is way better than this card, but it is cool. And there is it, it is more value. It's more swingy. So there's a lot of Cruxes running around, but you somehow don't need the life gain. Mm-hmm. I guess this is better. Yeah, it's it's way more swingy, I think. Yeah. Like, Kalidus is just... And Kalidus can already be swingy. Yeah, but Kalidus is a consistent, like, slow churn of value, where this is like, if it lives to see your next turn, um, you can potentially get a lot of stuff. Uh, back which is uh pretty big i don't know i i think this is a standard card i don't think it makes the cut and pioneer um no i don't think so either but i I, i'm confident in saying it doesn't speaking of zombies remember a few weeks ago i was like please give us a two mana lord and zombies well i got the (laughs) monkey careful what you wish for brad i got the monkey's (laughs) wish we got blade stitch scab two mana Demir, so blue and a black for a zombie soldier, 2-3. Other zombies you control get plus one, plus oh. Okay, look, I don't think it's that bad. I really don't. I just, I, I'm, I'm, my problem is where is the justification to go into Demir in your zombie deck? First off, where is the justification to play a zombie deck? But, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, now, but we got to go from a zombie deck in mono black, and now we have to actually take the time to sleeve that up. And now we're like, well, shit, now I have to go into Demir for some reason. Um, it's it's not... Makes Mutavolt more awkward. Makes Castle Lockthwain more awkward. Mm-hmm. Like, not worth it. 
Yeah, and it's only plus one plus oh. Like it's again, it is a solid I mean, two mana lord, but it's not anything to just like write home about. I mean, two mana lords are like lords in general are kind of overrated anyway. Because a lot of tribes have more interesting things to do mm-hmm. than lords. Think Diagraph Colossus, uh, Champion of Dusk, um, like Goblin. Is it Goblin War Chief that like also makes them cheaper? Like, there's a lot of like synergy cards that a lot of tribes have that are more interested than just lord. It's basically exclusively merfolk that just stacks lords and it doesn't give a crap about anything else i think elves too i think elves cares about lords to a lesser extent not as well to a lesser extent because you're you're generally winning to like like a war master or you go wide but and sometimes your elvish clan collar comes up or in modern like your archdruid comes up but like i think in elves you wouldn't play a generic two mana lord no you might in zombies because you go pretty wide. You can like do it the extra boost because you don't tend to go like super over the top. You know what this needs, but like this is just not good enough. You know what this needs, and this would make it way better. Just say other zombies you control get plus one plus zero and menace or or something like that. Like just give them another keyword. Now that might be way too good, especially in a standard environment. But like they need. And yeah, we have the Lord of Accursed from Amaket that pay and tap to give them Menace, and this would just be a strict upgrade over that. Um, but like, come on, zombies need something. And the reason Spirit Lords are so good is because they already have built-in evasion and flying. So yeah, you need some type of evasion. And there is the one-mana enchantment that you could play that says all zombies you control get Menace. But, like, now you're swapping out one drops for a one-mana enchantment. It doesn't do anything on turn one. Um, you're, you're giving me a weird look. Do you not remember this enchantment? There's a one-mana enchantment that's Pioneer Legal that says it's one black. Zombies you control have menace. I think it's from Shadows of Innistrad. I am super confused. Oh, look at that. It's Graph Harvest. And it also has four... Three and a black exile creature card for your graveyard. Put a two-two black soul me onto the battlefield. Yeah, this card's ass. Yeah, but like, I taught you something today. Eh. Usually, you're the one that names weird, obscure cards, and you're like, "What the fuck?" Yeah, <laughs> it's my turn, baby. Uh, but yeah, the, you have those type of things for zombies. But what we need is that type of effect onto a, a body, um, and this would have been a nice opportunity to do so. And it would have been maybe some justification to go into the two color because you could actually look at the two color aspect of the zombie being the downside to having it be a bit more pushed and say it also does X thing. But even if it was just pay for like pay one or pay two, give all other zombies, um, you know, menace, then maybe it's worth it. But because it's just flat out a two, three, which is nice. It doesn't get shocked and dies. That's fine, but it doesn't buff itself. It's other zombies. Um, at least it's not legendary. So it can buff each other. doesn't buff toughness. It's just not there. It's not 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 enough. Sad. All right, let's try and pick up the pace a tiny bit. Um, we've got one card that I think is interesting. is Gavany Dawnguard. Uh, one white white for a human soldier with ward one. If it's neither day nor night, it becomes day as it enters the battlefield. And then whenever day becomes night or night becomes day... Look at the top four cards of your library. You may reveal a creature card with mana value three or less from among them and put them into your hand. Put the rest of the bottom of your library. 
This is basically just what's the the toot toot guy with the horn? Oh, um, I have him in my binder. Oh, I don't know where my binder is. Um, it's the yeah, it's the two three that digs digs deep. Um, bugler. Yeah. It's basically that, but you get to repeat it. Some, yeah, some militia bugler. bugler. Yeah, what a militia bugler. Yeah, that's it. Um, got a roll, Brad. Woo. So like it it has it has ward which is pretty nice which is kind of like I like ward one where so like it's on the lookout so it's a bit harder to catch off guard, um with like a lightning bolt being thrown at it I guess, um but this is good value if you keep swapping day or night, um it's gonna be a hard deck to build, but if you have a way to make it switch from day to night very often. This is the type of card that's going to give you a lot of value. Feels like a standard card to me, but that was a fun one worth mentioning. Yeah. Uh, and the next one is Devoted Graphkeeper. When Devoted, it's a Azorius. Another thing with Disturb, this one is, I think, the best Disturb card we have, but like, I don't think it's still that great. So white and a blue, so two mana, two one human peasant. And there's a battlefield, mill two cards. Whenever you cast a spell from your graveyard, tap target creature you don't control. And then you can pay three mana, one and uh, blue, white for disturb, and you get a spirit three one with flying. Can only block other creatures with flying, um, and then has the exile thing. Right, this was like our. Um, this was one of the first few disturb cards. It was like the next day after we saw the first one, and I was like, "Ooh, maybe this can be a thing." It kind of seems kind of cool. Like this was like teetering, but. Mm. Hmm. Just it's hmm. just kind of value. So the problem is just because there are humans on the front and spirits on the back, it's really annoying to make them work. Yeah, because they're kind of like bad on both sides. But then there's a lot of value. Yeah, but I I don't really care about that. Is my main thing. And then we got a bad vampire at rare. I'm like, what the fuck? Uh, it's almost good. <laughs> Valken, it's almost great. Yeah, almost great. Falcon Wrath or Falcon Wrath Pit Fighter, a one mana two one vampire warrior that says you can pay one and a red, discard a card, sacrifice a vampire, and then you can draw two cards, but you can only activate this at uh, if an opponent lost life this turn. Oh, so they got us in the first half, Brad. I know if it didn't say activate only if this opponent like lost life, that'd be much better. Um, this tells me Madness is coming back in the next set because it makes sense that it would if you're giving the vampires the, the discard thing again. Oh, 100%. Uh, we can't go to Innistrad without Madness, and it's not here. So it's going to be in the vampire. Because Madness was a little bit more tied to vampires in like enabling them anyway in the previous sets where they they had like more active discard cards, like called a botline and that sort of thing. What if they give us the um, the one from Modern Horizons that has the zero Madness cost? The root, the root walla. yeah. Well, the blazing root walla, I think it was. Yeah. What if we get that? Kind of cool. It would make absolutely zero sense, but it'd be kind of cute. I'd like it. If we could actually play Hollowed One in Pioneer, <laughs> and I think I think Hollowed One with enough like reasons to play it would be a genuinely fine deck in Pioneer. Because like think about modern years ago when Hollowed One was a deck, and you're like, wow, that's so cool. Like Pioneers in that spot where like that value could be. Is like, it cool? Yeah, I love Hollowed One. <laughs> I guess we don't have burning inquiry, so that helps. Yes. Don't we? I hope we don't. No, I don't think so. No. <laughs> hey. Uh, speaking of lords. Now, now I'm scared. <laughs> as, as you're Googling that, 
We got another ward, uh, Kessig Naturalist. It's a two-mana, two-two human werewolf. Magic 2010. Whew. There you go. Um, so it's a red and a green, and it's a two-two. Whenever Kessig Naturalist attacks, add either red or green to your mana pool. Until end of turn, you don't lose this mana as uh, steps and phases end. That's the daybound side. Has a nightbound side, Lord of the Uvenwald. Um, makes me want more Uvenwald related stuff in the set. Um, other wolves and werewolves you control get a pl- get plus one plus one, so it's a technically a two mana ward, and it's, it becomes a three three as a werewolf, and then it has the same thing. Whenever it attacks, you gain either red or green. You don't lose it as phases and steps end. I mean, it's just a werewolf thing, right? The the, the wolves the werewolf side's above rate, mm-hmm. very good. Mm-hmm. Question is how good you're going to be at keeping it on that side. Very good lord if you do get to keep it on that side, being a more respectable body itself, and then having that extra mana that you can use to cast two spells, and then it flips back. Oops. Also not legendary. Yeah, that too. Um, Now, speaking of making it go day to night, the Celestis, three mana artifact. Thank you, you pronounce it it correctly, because Saffron Olive pronounced it uh, Celestis, and I'm like, it's Celestis, dude. It's what? it's fu- like he sucks at pronouncing things. Come on. I mean, at this point, I think it's a running joke. I think he purposely does yeah, it. But this one, but this, I, I don't, I don't know, man. Because like he, he sat there and kind of looked at it. And he's like the Celestis. I'm like, cele- like celestial, like space, time. Yeah, yeah Celestis. Ch- yeah. Anyway, the Celestis is a legendary artifact for three mana. If it's neither day nor night, it becomes day as it enters the battlefield. You can tap it at one mana of any color, or you can tap th- play, uh, pay three mana, tap it. If it's night, it becomes day. Otherwise, it becomes night. Activate only as sorcery. Whenever day becomes night or night becomes day, you gain a life. You may draw a card, and if you do, discard a card. So, so... it's a nice, like, it's like a manual. It's like a light switch. <laughs> like <laughs> this light. is Innistrad's like light switch. You know what like people light. say with, like, this joke they make? Of like they you could like turn off the sun or it's like oh how do you go to the sun or just go at night like this this is basically <laughs> just that in a magic card yeah why don't we just land on the sun dude that's a genuine thing that people actually like have questioned like why can't we just go to the sun when it's, <laughs> when it's nighttime it's like oh my god that was like this meme of like who would win like 10 billion lions or the sun and then it was like well the lions win if they attack at night <laughs> Oh my god. It's it's like the Marines anyway. the stick. It's like, well, you break the stick and now there's two sticks. <laughs> <laughs> stick win every time. Uh, but it's a dice enabler. You pay three. I mean, it, it is. Ah, I mean, again, in werewolves, it's like, gosh, I have nothing to do with this mana and it's day and I'm sad. So let, let, it, let it just be night and I'm going to go to combat and like swing with my 5-5 five, five Arlen. It's like, I don't know, it's a three-mana thing. Yeah, it's a, it's it, a it's, mana It's rock. kind of funky that it... I almost feel like it's almost insulting that this is a mana rock just because this is... It, this is an artifact so powerful that it can change day to night on a whim. Mm-hmm. But you can also, like, tap it and get some stuff. <laughs> <laughs> like, this basically makes it feel like, yeah, we're going to put this... This is just made for Commander, and that's why it has to be a mana rock, so people... Like, fucking everyone and their mom could justify putting this thing in every Commander deck ever, 
and now we're gonna have to track day and night in every commander de- uh, game we play. Yeah, that that's why I, that's why I would put it in the deck is because I just want you guys to have to track. And it's just gotta go day and night. And because it's commander, and there's always one person at the table who didn't put enough lands in their deck, so it's just gonna go day night day night day night day night, just all throughout the game. It's yeah, and it's, everybody's gonna gain life, so the game's gonna be thirty minutes longer. Love it. It's a card. It's a card. Anyway, cool card. Speaking of cool cards, we got another vampire that is Ooh. better than the one drop. It's a Rakdos vampire, vampire socialite for black and a red. You get a vampire noble 2-2 with menace. When vampire socialite enters the battlefield, if an opponent lost life this turn, put a plus one plus one counter on each other vampire you control. As long as an opponent lost life this turn, each other vampire you control enters the battlefield with an additional plus one plus one counter on it. Now, it has the lost life clause just like the other one. The reason I am much more higher on this card than the one drop is because this makes sense and can work in tandem with um, with the vampires better than the other one does because the ability is different. So I think of Soren as a great option like to pair this with is like you just go with the lightning helix on Soren and you just you can just go face and then pump your team or have them enter like in this one I don't feel like well it's also because it does both yeah and you like can this play because this. it has an effect when it enters mm-hmm. or just as someone has lost life this turn you could just like play this on turn two yeah and then it's menace you swing with it on turn three you play a bunch of vampires they're bigger exactly and it yeah it, it basically it helps itself because it has evasion yeah um, where the other one, it's just kind of like you're hoping it does something. Also, therefore, good in multiples. The mm-hmm. other one kind of doesn't do anything in multiples and doesn't enable itself very well. Yeah, not this one's like I could go turn one, whatever card, turn two, this, turn three, attack with this, play another one, and play one drop. That's now going to enter with two counters extra, and now my board is going to get out of hand like super fast. Yeah. I like this card. This card's cool. Um, and, it's also just uh, a fun take on a lord. Yeah. And it's a, it's a lord effect that sticks around even when it dies. So, that's nice too. Now, that's like what I was saying earlier though. Is this a justification to go into Rakdos for vampires now? Not nope. quite. Uh, the only other really Rakdos payoff we have in vampires is the one that has flying from Zenikar Rising. That gets reduced by it based on party. Um, but mm. you, when you can cheat that in with Soren, it's a bit different. It's fine, but that is not enough justification to go into red. You get things like Dreadbore, but why do you care about going into Dreadbore or like the splashing red removal effects when you already have the mono black ones, which are good enough as is? Yeah. Um, and also just like mono, uh, well, mono black vampires played Orzov for a while, literally just for a vamp for a Blood Baron of Fiscopa. Yeah, and the actual. Vampire Lord wasn't even like considered. No, because it didn't. didn't when fit. the deck already was running the mana that could cast it, it wasn't in the deck. Now you're asking, are we gonna rebuild the whole deck for this mm. somewhat better card? No. I, I yeah, I do think this one is better than the regular two mana Lord. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Um, definitely. But yeah, it, it, we have to look. If that if that red one drop didn't have the lost life clause on it. I'd be like, okay, maybe, maybe, maybe we're getting somewhere with Rakdos. Um, we'll see what we get in Crimson Val, but we need, 
we need so I need a reason to be in Rakdos. This is getting me there. This is this is making me lukewarm to the idea, but I need something else. Oh, and there's our um our uh, the black werewolf. That and also that is actually our, pretty good. Um, our what's it called? Our uh, fifth art reprint thing that Morrow said, and pithing needle. Ah, so it's not Slapcaster Mage. Good. Um, quickly touch on the werewolf graveyard trespasser two and a black human werewolf three three. It has ward discard a card. Uh, whenever graveyard trespasser enters the battlefield or attacks. Exile up to one target card from a graveyard. If a creature card was exiled this way, each opponent loses one life. You gain one life. Transforms into Graveyard Glutton, which I believe is literally the same card, except it can exile two cards when it attacks. Oh, and it's a 4-4. Yeah. So it becomes a 4-4, still has the ward. When it attacks, you can exile up to two cards. If a creature was exiled, for each creature exiled, they lose one, you gain one. Yeah, this is just... Decent. A little bit of an upgrade of um Cards annoying. Death Forge Scavenger, <laughs> right? For a mixed one? Yeah, somewhat. And again, the ward discard a card's actually pretty relevant. Mm. Very annoying. Unless you go discard in, a card. Unless you go against Phoenix. And they're like, whew, who don't mind if I do? Ooh. I get to discard two cards. Discard off my a card, discard axe. Phoenix. <laughs> yeah, they go lightning axe, discard. I, I'm, I'm generally with with what effects like this before, and it's like, oh no, you made me discard a card. Let's discard a card to fuel my dick through time so I can fight my sweeper. Thanks. Hooray. Um, yeah, I think this is fine. This is cool. Um, yeah. I, I, you could just play this not in a werewolf deck, and it's fine. It doesn't have to be a werewolf thing. Yeah. Which I think is good. Seeing <laughs> Maybe it's werewolf. actually... I mean, it's it's actually just a pretty decent human. It just, you won't lure us. Oh it's a pretty God. decent human with some graveyard hate stapled on it. All right, so let me let me pivot real quick because you've mentioned Loris a couple of times with cards like with this the the poppet stitcher and then this card being three drops. There was a there was a poll, okay, on Reddit. It was in the Pioneer subreddit, okay, and the poll straight up said, "Do you want to see companions flat out banned in Pioneer? Just ban them as companions. The me- yep that that mechanic, but they can be in like your deck." Um, and it was like 173 votes for no, 150 something for yes. So it was it was close. So you already said yes without even hes- hesitating. So you'd you'd like to see the companion yeah. mechanic just banned outright. Fuck Luris. It's it's mostly Luris, but like, yeah, I don't want this thing to ever happen again. Companions was a mistake, mostly on the execution of especially some of them. Um, it's just, oh, I want to put this cool card in Niv. Oh, but then I can't play Gigantha anymore. I guess I won't. Oh, I want to play this cool card in this deck. Ah, but then I can't play Luris, so I guess I'm not playing that one. I just It's so boring for deck building, because you feel like you get like screwed out of so many options. Mm-hmm. It's, I hate Companion. It's so boring. It, it goes like against like almost what the game is, like starting with a free card. That you is predetermined what card it is, like no. Yeah, and I think Luris is such a huge thing with that. Like it, when you can choose between, even like they had to nerf the companion rule for like, what was it? Like Gyruda was kind of obnoxious. Oh, but Gyruda like, kind was of a meme. Really good though. <laughs> like, Gyruda yeah, but was, it was like, kind of a meme. Cool deck. Okay, look, if there's any um, card that I wish the companion mechanic is a good meme. Yeah, I, I would like a strong meme. If we could pick and choose which companions have the three mana sorcery thing and which ones stay as normal, I would want Garuda to be its original. The, just that one. Nah. Yeah. Man. I think it's like, so I, funny. I, like, 
But like, it's it's so stupid because it it the whole mechanic it's so unbelievably like impossible to balance, or at least they clearly messed up in balancing it. Like Lurus, Yorian, Gyruda, and to a lesser extent Obosh, uh, and maybe Gigantha. So about half of them got the mechanic nerfed. The other half wasn't even good before the nerf. Like, yeah. Lutri isn't even remotely playable. <clears throat> then there's the creature lord. Yeah, then there's, like, well, the, the, like... The slime thing. The anything lord. Oh, yeah. It's just as long as it's one type. Your deck could be full of enchantments, and it would it would work. Mm-hmm. Um, then there's... There's Zurda, which is, which is pretty good in, decent. Good in cycling. The activated ability one. Yeah, the cycling one, basically. And then there's the elemental cat beast lord thing that oh, people um, play in blue white control if they don't run any creatures. Yeah, it's free. Um, Kahira or whatever. Yeah. And then I don't I, I don't even know the I, I think there's another one. I don't even oh, care. There's there's I the hippo talk about cards. The hippo. Cool. Oh yeah, the the hippo thing. Oh yeah, the Draws my deck is expensive. One. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking Whatever, of making cards. things expensive, Bad. there's Curse of Silence. Back to the spoilers. It's a rare for some reason. Um, one white for an aura curse. It looks like it's a mythic. It's not. I promise it's rare. The coloring is a little weird on the uh, preview. It makes it look like the little symbol is orange and not yellow, but it is a rare. Um, as Curse of Silence enters the battlefield, choose a card name. Spells with the chosen name Enchanted Player casts cost two more to cast. Whenever Enchanted Player casts a spell with the chosen name, you may sacrifice Curse of uh, Silence, and if you do, draw a card. Hmm. Gives me Silver Quill Silencer vibes, as in some people will probably think it's good. I think it's terrible. Now, Silver Quill Silencer is a better card. Let me compare this, but this card's just bad. I mean, so you, you, you play this against Control, and you're like, I name your Sweeper. So their Sweeper gets delayed by a couple of turns, and then when they do eventually sweep your board, you're like, ha-ha, but I get to draw a card for the creatures I lost. And then you're like, okay, cool, so now my Sweeper is cheaper again, so I can back it up with counter spells and stuff. Thanks. Yeah. So. Oh, no, you drew a card. D- these cards, like cards like this, or... um. For example, when you go against like a green deck and they decide to keep a hand with like an oath of Nissa on turn one, they are hilarious. Or people put like Graf Digger's Cage in their deck against your Hulk deck, and they go turn one Graf Digger's Cage. It almost makes me want to laugh because it's like you do not know what you're supposed to be doing. Like <laughs> if you're like Curse of Silence on you, Fatal Push. I'm like, okay, I wasn't gonna push on turn one anyway because I have nothing to push. Because you put a curse on me instead. Like, oh, but if I have a second one, and in Fatal Push, it's five mana. They're like, yeah, but you spend two cards in your first two turns of the game. I could not give less of a shit. Here's a Kalidas. You don't have a board. <laughs> These cards are always bad, basically. Yeah. I linked it to Epic, and I was like, here's your one mana enchantment. And he's like, it's not what I want. <laughs> I'd rather play Authority of the Consoles. Yes. Like if I'm that card's it. actually somewhat decent. Good news, though, Alex. As All we're right. getting into the later days, we have less spoilers to go over, and they're easier to talk about. So let's talk about the one that's yes. pissing off a lot of people because it's Faithful Mending. It's Azorius White in a blue for basically Faithless Looting, but you gain two life for uh, in an instant speed, draw two cards, then you discard two cards with Flashback 3. Jeskai Phoenix? I don't... I think this, this, is, this is pissing people off for the wrong reason. 
they're like, oh, it's a, it's a slap in the face for faithless looting. It's like, all right. The reason you should be mad at this is because it's the 17th iteration of let's put life gain on it and now it's a white card. Yeah. But faithless looting should have always been a blue card. Yeah. What's the the, the original F- Faithless looting is the card careful study yeah. with flashback. Mm-hmm. It, 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 the effect looting comes from the card Merfolk Looter, which was tap, draw a card, discard a card. No. Red cards rummage, you discard, then you draw. Yeah. Because red cards aren't supposed to make you think. Not trying to talk shit about people who put red cards in their deck. I do. But okay. like, blue cards are draw, reconsider my options, you know, carefully study your hand. Red cards are like, I don't need this shit, I want other shit. Yeah. That's what red cards are. So, and yeah, talk about his actual card, Jeskai Phoenix. It's pretty now, good. Okay, so do you think this actually paves the way for Jeskai Phoenix because there's this, and then there's the Strixhaven card. That's the Boros one. The the uh, discard. Ah, that that's like that's just of... Cathartic Reunion with extra steps. And Cathartic Reunion doesn't see play in Phoenix, so hmm. I don't think you actually play this one. But going white just for this might be worth it i i don't know enough about phoenix i i think it's gonna be a tough sell <laughs> they, they 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 can play um they can play um monastery mentor in the sideboard now they just like t- take out your phoenixes put that it's in. like you're slapping gain two life and a flashback cost of three on your is it charm and as a cost you need to rework your entire mana base to house an extra color mm-hmm I don't know if you're going to be able to do that. Because the, the the Phoenix deck is already pretty color intensive. So you're going to have to try and put like these, this white mana is going to be really hard to find a home for without cutting into your other colors. And you're doing that for one good card. Don't think you can, but maybe. Again, Phoenix is always baffling. You never know what they're going to come up with next. Now, man, if we had mana morphos. <laughs> I'm glad we don't. At least we have croaking counterpart. Oh, my God. I need this card in my life. It's adorable. I love frogs so much. Um, I need the full art of this. I might need it as a poster or a playmat. This is so good. It's like a frog in armor riding a duck it, it's just it's so cool i think it's a goose so whatever bird <laughs> um I, i'm i i i'm not good with birds they fly they're not superman apparently uh they're not planes either and that's about as far as my deduction of flying things go it's either a bird, a plane, Superman, or a UFO. I hated because that because UFO is literally everything else—unidentified flying object. Yeah, but that that always bothered me. It's like it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's a. Are you fucking stupid? You're telling me that the first two people <laughs> thought this was a bird, or okay, first off, let's say you're right. Let's say you're one hundred percent correct. It's a bird or a plane. This like, human-shaped thing going through the no, sky. It's, it's like already. It's if you're not, like, is it a bird? Is it a plane? That's a giant-ass bird. No, no, it's not even. It's not even that. <laughs> really, it's tiny not plane. even that. When they when it starts off, it's a bird. It's a plane. Okay, let's say there is no Superman, right? And it's just this random person in the street 
so fucking excited apparently that there's a goddamn bird or plane in the sky. Yeah, bitch, <laughs> you live on Earth. You're in the year 2021. <laughs> That's gonna fucking happen. Are you? Is this your first time outside? Where are you from? Why are you excited about a bird? Yeah, I see birds all the fucking time. They suck. They shit everywhere because most birds around my area are either fucking these cranes that like to walk in the road and then just stop and then stare at you. And you're like, can can you move? And they're like, no, I don't think I will. Or they're just like pigeons and shit. Like, who cares? Fuck it. <sighs> um, we have commander stuff. So Krogan counterpart, what it actually does, it's one and a green and a blue for sorcery. Create a token that is a copy of target non-frog creature, except it's a 1-1 frog. And then it has three green and a white for a flashback. So you're actually um, able to just make copies, basically, of... You can, like, copy the text box of yeah, cards, basically. Yeah, Biovisionary. It's potentially pretty good. Uh, I'm going to have to pick up the pace a little bit, because, again, recording time, and I actually need to eat, and I am hungry, so I want to. I am also hungry. Um, Diagraph Rebirth... I'm going to skip over a couple that are, like, probably cool, but not going to see play. Um, Diagraph Rebirth, three black-green. This spell costs one less to cast for each creature that died this turn. Return target creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield, and there's a flashback of seven. Basically, sack a bunch of stuff, and then you get a cheap reanimation spell. And you can do it twice. And also, the flashback cost obviously gets reduced by mm. things dying. So that's pretty cool. This pairs with your uh, favorite card, the um, the one from Strixhaven, where you get mana. Ooh, Cunning Ritual. Yeah. All the small stuff dies. Use that mana to revive a big thing, and then revive another big thing. Yeah. Don't know how the hell you're going to make it work, but hey. You'll find a way. Um, and then there's... You, could, you could probably build something quirky with this. Then there's uh, Flesh Taker, which is just amazing art. <laughs> I love this shit. Oh my god, this is so creepy. It's sinister. You walk through the field... You hear something behind you ruffling. You turn around. It's this guy. Yeah. I just instantly shit myself. I'll probably pass out. Uh, so Flesh Taker is a white Which and is black. the good outcome. Yeah. Well, if I mean, this guy is behind you and you immediately pass out, you're lucky. Yeah. Um, white and a black for a 2-2 human assassin. Whenever you sacrifice another creature, you gain one life and scry one. And then you can pay one, sacrifice another creature. Flesh Taker gets plus two, plus two on a turn. Um, I mean, this is just fine in aristocrat-style decks. Uh, I think this is actually a pretty solid yeah. card. Um, but the big reason I love this it's card a, is because uh, the art's phenomenal, and I want this as a poster in my room. It's a... Um, what's that card? It's a catacomb sifter you can get with, like, Return of the Ranks. Mm. Return to the Ranks, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and then we move on to the next day. We have Ghoul Caller's Harvest, which I think is really cool. Um, it's a sorcery, black and green. For create X 2-2 black zombie creature tokens with decayed, where X is half the number of creature cards in your graveyard rounded up, and then flashback of three and then black green. Um, this card has potential to be uh, really, really good. Card's great. Yeah, you can do some disgusting things with this. Um, it's a lot of tokens. Again, this is very much a card where you don't really care about the decayed because you're immediately sacking this to something else, right? Mm -hmm. All the things you're getting. Um, the yeah, I think this card's things. pretty good. You can... It's just a very easy way to generate all bodies. You're just going to be able to mill yourself. I can genuinely see this in like a Jun Sacrifice style deck just because it gives you so much fuel. Mm -hmm. 
to sacrifice things with. Like, imagine you're playing Citadel, right? And you have this card, and it gives you just five bodies to sack to your Woe Strider to just keep going. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if there's actually room for this in Citadel. I doubt there is, and I kind of feel like the deck is good enough set up to the point where, like, you play Citadel, you probably win the game. Um, but an eight deck like this... It reminds me of when we talked about Rise of the Dreadmar. And we were like, the potential that has for sacrifice decks. We're like, hey, I'm going to sacrifice a bunch of stuff, cast this card, get more stuff, sacrifice that stuff, and just kind of keep going. Um, where I feel like this is... Um, this is a bit more consistent. It's like easier to set up. And also just a better card by itself. If this is just two mana, get ten power with decay... I mean, yeah, they're going to die after combat. You're going to dome your opponent for 10. Mm-hmm. With cards they're not interested in blocking unless they get the blocks for free. And then you can cast it again. Yeah, that too. You can do it twice. It's 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 a very nice design in flashback cards where like you get just a good card up front, but you can very much overpay for it and get it back. But this card's actually fun in the sense that once you're casting this for its flashback cost, you're later into the game. So your graveyard's probably going to be filler. Yeah. So I like that. Big fan. Uh, we also have some lore implications. Uh, Lisa's back. Forgotten Archangel. 4-5 uh, Angel for, um, you know, two double white and a black. So five mana, 4-5 Flying Lifelink Legendary Angel. Whenever another non-token creature you control dies, return that card to the owner's hand at the beginning of the next end step. And if a creature an opponent controls would die, exile instead. So it has the symmetrical thing on the first text, but then it's like, no, no, I'm just fucking kidding. Fuck that. Dies. It exiles your opponent's stuff. So No, it says you control dies. So it isn't oh, symmetrical on the top I, either. Just even as I'm saying it out loud, I wasn't listening correctly to myself. Though granted, it wouldn't have made a difference. Yeah. So in that sense, they should have probably made it symmetrical. So your opponent gets falsely excited as they're reading this and they're like oh wait it goes to exile anyway yeah elisa's <laughs> back um she was apparently killed by avison avison um i don't know a lot of stuff died in the previous block <laughs> yeah more important characters died in shadows over innistrad than in war of the spark <laughs> that's actually true well feels bad man <laughs> yeah cool card like, man, three angels died. That's more than the amount of planeswalkers that died in War of the Spark. Yeah. Um, I think this card's fine. It's cool. I don't think it's going to be played in Pioneer. Yeah. Um, it's like Feather for sacrifice decks. Yeah. Uh, but five mana instead. Yeah. So. Eh. Um, I mean, hey, this is a funny curve topper and... Uh, um, of Angels backed up with your call time stuff I guess mm-hmm. I don't know I'd rather have the saga probably I do like this next card though Corpse Cobble uh, Demir so blue and a black <clears throat> for an instant as an additional cost to cast this spell sacrifice any number of creatures Create an XX blue and black zombie creature token with Menace, where X is the total power of the sacrifice creatures, and then has flashback three and then Demir. Um, yeah, I think this is really funny. 
Uh, very good card for when you've swung with your ghoul collar harvest decay army and all the decay triggers go on the stack. Mm-hmm. You just scoop them up, turn them into one big boy. With, with a card that I initially read as Corpse Gobble, and I thought it was disgusting. But it's Corpse <laughs> Gobble. <laughs> you could take that many different ways. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I like the card. And then there's random counter stuff, Turn the Earth. Eh. Now, this is a good card. I think Turn the Earth actually, very quick, briefly mentioning, one on the green for an instant, choose up to three car- target cards in graveyards. The owner of those cards, shuffle them into its owner's library. You gain two life. Flashback, one on a green. This is an interesting way to... You can use this to mess people up. Uh, reminds me a little bit of like when people run like Gaia's Blessing, mm. even if their decks aren't green, if Mill is big. It kind of reminds me of that. Like, hey, um, your opponent's trying to like mill themselves out or um, something like that, and then they go for like a Thassa's Oracle win, and you just turn the earth, you put three cards back in their deck, and they don't win the game. There's like interesting things you could do with this and the fact that you can use it to shuffle your own important cards back in your deck even though it works with flashback so like if you're getting milled by your opponent this is an interesting card to think about if it's important to your deck then there's augur of autumn which i think is a genuinely good card whenever we get this type of card it's always good uh one double green so three mana two three human druid you may look at the top card of your library at any time you may play lands from the top of your library and then it has Coven. As long as you control three or more creatures with different powers, you may cast creature spells off the top of your library. Yeah, it's just fine. Yeah, it's good. It's good value. It's it, it's just a very solid value piece. There's some decks you can make work with this. It's it you know obviously think, makes you think of course of crew fix to some extent. Um, Isn't this just slightly upgraded? Like a course of crew fix is a two four, I believe. Okay, well, I mean... So, and it gains you life. And it gains you life when you play lands. True, but you can also play creatures, right? Doesn't, isn't Corsair only lands that you can play? Yeah, Corsair's only lands. So, like, this is a, a different take. Mm-hmm. But I think it's immediately better than Corsair. Again, the life gain is important. The bigger butt is important in, like, the slower deck you'll be playing. But this is pretty cool. Um, you can hit it off Collected Company, though that would be an annoying one to have on top of your deck. Yeah. Because it's... Yeah, solid card. I like it. Then Don't know where it goes into, <clears throat> but we'll figure it out. Probably whatever Courser goes into, for the most part. Well, Band Company. Now, there is a mythic human called Fearless Adversary. One and a white for a human scout with lifelink. It's a 3-1. Whenever Fearless Adversary enters the battlefield, you may pay one and a white, any number of times. You put that many courage counters on Fearless Adversary. Creatures you control get plus one, plus one for each courage counter on Fearless Adversary. So it's a aggressively statted two drop that can also have a late game mana sink as a lord. I think this is good. Like, I think this... This think- is an overwhelming meh from me. But you go you go first. Why do you think this is good? I, I like how it's aggressively statted. It's a three one for two. Um, those are always fine. And that's you that's pretty much what you're playing it for, is that. And then you have the added bonus of like later, you're like, well, let's say 
in like so in the deck that this would go when I'm I'm imagining like black white humans, right? With all the one drops that are all two ones and shit. And you run like two of these. Or maybe you've run four just because of the three one aspect. Um and then like early game, you're like, cool, it's another three one to help with your aggressively statted stuff. And then later you have all these these two ones that are eventually just getting kind of blockaded by uh, your opponent's bigger stuff. And like you you're in the position where you're kind of at a standoff and like a standstill where you can't really attack yet. And you drop this down, you pay, you know, you pay a couple of times and then all of a sudden all your two ones are now four threes or even five fours. And you're like, now nah, you can swing in. Um, it just, it seems flexible. And uh, I, yeah, it's not also not legendary. So like I, you're cool with running a play set. I like it. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'd run one, but I don't think this card's very good. The problem I have, yes, being aggressively stacked is good, right? That's that's a big plus for this card. Um, buffs itself with the courage counter, so you know it's not as vulnerable once it starts getting big. Um, but just having aggressive stats isn't actually good enough, right? It's kind of jokingly that like in the Buman deck, it's a bunch of like, oh, it's all Savannah Alliance, but like it's so much more than all Savannah Alliance because there's a lot of there's there's some that are graveyard hate, there's some that are life gain, some protection, some evasion, blah, blah, blah. there's all these different va- things that these cards do. So just being a 2 mana 3-1 lifelink is actually just really bad. And your deck is full of one drops for a good reason. You want to go very fast. So you're going to you basically your best draw is one drop, one drop, one drop, one drop, two drop. And this card is very bad when you do that because you don't actually want to play this on curve. You can, but you don't want to. It does buff itself, and though. I, yeah, I know that. But I, I hate the fact that this is courage counters and not just one one counters like Yorga Warcaller, mm-hmm. because then you could play this early and then like put counters on it with Thalia's Lieutenant, and now you're actually looking at a very good card. But instead, you get this. I just wish this said humans you control get plus one plus one, and it would work with plus one, plus one counters. So it'd be yeah. like a multi-kicker card, like Yorga War card. I think that card would be absolutely fucking phenomenal. And you'd probably have to nerf it. You might have to genuinely make it a 1-1, one, one, but probably a 2-1 is fine. It's, it, it takes so much mana, right? It it works in any type of deck, so I can see it in, like, standard white weenie. Mm-hmm. I think this card's very good in. Like a I don't Marshall. think this makes the cut... Yeah, I don't think this makes the cut into humans... In Pine in Pioneer, because between Thalia's Lieutenant and Ready the Ranks, even though that isn't a creature itself, you have enough lords to back up your go wide strategy, and this is just not really what it needs. I mean, I'm trying to think. So, like, if it's, it could be good, it's either it's either a two man. I, I can see it as a one off. You don't mind drawing it early, but you're never drawing it in multiples, so you don't get like the big feels bad. And it's not terrible on raids, so you could just play it. But if you draw late game, hey man, I'm just pumping eight mana into this thing and probably swinging for game immediately. Yeah, I, I'm thinking about it this way, so it's like it's either a two mana three one with lifelink, or it's a four mana four two lifelink with an anthem, a six mana five three double anthem lifelink. You, you see what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if, it's, if it's, you, ima- so if I if, imagine as like it, just imagine if it's a a card that says three and a white, four two, um, life link, 
other creatures get plus one plus one. That feels like an on rate card. Like a four mana four two that does that. Yeah, this dies so easily. I know, but it, it's but it's it's that that. But I could ex- like expect that as a card. Is what I'm saying, like that card right there that I just described, I could see that being printed as a card. It's a bad card though. I can see it printed as a card, but it is a bad card. But that's but that's why this card is good because it's, it's the charm effect, right? It has the flexibility of being a three one on turn two, a four two lord on turn um, four, or like late game you're just like pump it three times, and all you just get yeah, plus three plus the, three. The thing I always have with with charms are good when you can pick between a whole bunch of decent options. This is literally just terrible card. You, you, it's like a charm that says. Terrible card, become a terrible card, a terrible card, or a terrible card. Hmm. But you do have a mana sink. I just, I don't think humans ha- needs a mana sink, right? You, if I want a mana sink in that deck, I will just run more manlands. Yeah, which you already said you don't and like. And not this. Yeah, well, I like the uh, Adventures of the Forgotten Realms one. Mm. I like those because they don't make you stumble early. Yeah. So they don't falter that game plan at all. So Cave of the Frost Dragon, I think I'm running like three. A Tyrant from uh, our server, and that many people might even know from outside of the server at this point, because he's very active on his YouTube and Twitter and stuff. Um, like, he's even running, I believe, Hive of the Eye Tyrant. I don't want it because I don't want cards that only tap for black. But, like, I would rather, if I need a mana sink, look at running, like, four, five, six manlands. Then I would look at this. But obviously, we're talking humans here. If this could be the push for some white weenie deck that just makes use of synergies all throughout, like, hey, what if we're running Legion's Landing or other, like, one-drops from different tribes with other upsides and we can piece, like, a white weenie deck together? Yeah, sure, this is way better because it is generic, the Anthem. Mm-hmm. rather than tribal-based. <clears throat> then it could be a good card. Well, we did get the other counterpart right. to this, though, um, which is the black one. So it looks like this is a cycle, right, of, like, a two-mana yeah. creature cycle um, in the Mythic slot that is a thing on its own, and then also you can pay mana to other things. So we got the white human one. The next one, oh, does that mean we're going to get a red vampire one? That'd be pretty cool. Um, maybe if it's good, maybe, uh, but get ahead of myself. Okay, so Tainted Adversary, one and a black for a zombie, a 2-3 with Death Touch. When Tainted Adversary enters the battlefield, you may pay two and a black any number of times. When you pay that uh, this cost one or more times, put that many plus and plus one counters on Tainted Adversary, then create twice that many 2-2 two, two black zombie creature tokens with Decayed. Now this one I think we both agree is better than the the human one because it's plus one plus one counters on yeah. it, like you want on the human one, and it automatically makes bodies. Now this doesn't do anything with the fact that it's one one counters, but yeah, yeah, I I like this a lot. Um, I mean, yeah, I this, this is good. I would rather play this in my zombie deck. Well, than it's the, it's also uh, a better Lord. rate. The two mana work. Like a two mana two three death touch is better, I feel like, than a two mana three one lifelink. You, you lose a power, but you got two toughness. Good blocker. Uh, death touch is nice when you're yeah, when well good blocker or just even a good attacker mm-hmm. into like a big creature, which can sometimes like stonewall your deck. Like 
you know, this attacks into... Oh, the other one, I guess, attacks to Arboreal Grazer too, because that's three power. But, like, I like this rate better. Um, I think the art is you fucking get cool. get bodies. You get a lot of bodies. Every three mana spent gives you... Two. It's twice that many, right? So they have decay, but every three mana you spend gets you four power. Spread across two bodies, which you can make move work with tribal synergies. Um, pretty solid with. Um, well, it goes. It goes. Yeah, oh, it goes from. What's it called? Champion of the Perished. Two four six. Slow zombies. Wait, no. Is it? It's two four eight. I mean sixteen. You're, it, it doubles. Like, they they have yeah they have decay, so they're obviously not. As good, but this rate is two mana for a two three death touch, five mana for a three four death touch with two bodies, right? In yeah. that, which is a four four worth of stats. So for five mana, we would be getting seven eight worth of stats. That's a ton, right? Find something to do with these decay tokens. First of all, if you run a zombie lord, you buff them, they swing in, it's even more value. Yeah, but then if you can if manage to um... sack them to something, oh yeah. But especially if the zombie lord is like uh, Death Baron, where they get Death Touch too. Yeah. Or hey, the decay zombies, they don't have to attack because I'm just going to tap them to my Crypt Breaker and draw cards with them. Yeah, that's true as well. Yeah, that okay, works too. so this is making me feel a bit more... With the, with the new one drop we got in uh, Chamber of the Perished, zombies is feeling a bit better now. I just don't know how you build it. Because you want... I can, I can genuinely see this card show up in just, like, not a zombie deck at all. Oh, yeah, I agree. This one. I agree. There's good rate. Good body. This could even be in, like, a, a slow, mid-rangey deck where it's just a good body on two, but a pretty nice semi-win condition late. Again, the Decade Zombies can't block, which is a shame, but it does allow them to print cards. This card's rate is insane. So the the zombies need decay. But it's good that they do. And it makes it makes again you can print good rage. You can do other things with these decaying zombies. This card's great and the art is creepy in like the best way possible. I love the art. This is so cool. The I love Innistrad for the art. Um it's such a, a beautiful set, a beautiful plane. Um yeah, I don't think I see really. I mean, that's the last like good card we got. I, right? I refreshed it quickly. There's one that I want to touch on just because I think the flavor is a bit stupid, so I want to point it out because okay. it does make me laugh. This Mysterious Tome. Yeah. Three and a blue for an artifact. Two, tap it, draw a card, transform it. And then it turns into Creepy Chronicle. Artifact, one mana. Tap it, tap target null and permanent. Transform Creepy Chronicle. But the thing is, on the art, on the front side, it's closed. And then on the transform side, it's open. So the flavor is continually just open, close, open, close, open, close, open, close. It's not really how you go through a book, is it? <laughs> Doesn't get you reading very far. <laughs> when you open, I guess you it's like every time you open it, it might show like a different creepy thing. Maybe. So on this art, we see like this village, and then you close it, and you open it, and there's zombies everywhere. And you close it, and you open it, and there's lava. Like, and that's like how it's creepy. I want four alternate arts for this. <laughs> <Someone's>, <laughs> and I'll buy it. Someone's comment on Mythic Spoiler. With this in play, I can summon two monsters to my side of the field. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> two kingdoms. <laughs> ah! <laughs> play the music. 
Alex, oh. please. Oh, wait, it's probably copyrighted. I was like, please put the Tomb World music on the disc, but. And someone we said, absolutely cannot. Someone I'm said, sure. tapping a land every other turn was just too powerful, huh? <laughs> yeah. Had <laughs> <laughs> to make it non land. Yeah, it's not very good. Um, not very good, but I do like it. Then there's a five mana six five human werewolf with ward of one. And then the night bound is an eight seven ward of three. It's <laughs> a big boy. Yeah, this is this is a limited dire bomb. strain demolisher. Yeah, this, this is a fucking bomb and limited. Holy shit! <laughs> I, I am this werewolf. This this is like the wolf had enough of the pigs and like their bullshit with their stone house. <laughs> It's like he called in his cousin. It's like, these pigs in their fucking stone house <laughs> comes and tear it up. Oh, that's really bad. The disturbed one. The black one. That's, that's just horrible. Trash. Not even going to talk about it. Not even going to fucking talk about it. Um, and we got bad removal spells. Um, yeah, that's everything. That's everything good. Cool. We did it. We got through like eight days of spoilers and in a in a couple hours. Yeah. So look at us. How do you feel about the set? Uh, final words out the door. How do you feel about it so far? Now, when we saw the first few cards, we were like, "Wow, this seems really powerful." And now that seems like the power level has been dumbed down again. The so like, set seems very tame. Yeah. Um, there's some good cards in here, but the set seems pretty tame, except for these egregious cards that they started off with. And it's made the set feel a bit like a big womp womp, like throughout. Which I think if you did this the other way around and you started with some of the cool cards like that Galvanic uh, iteration card and stuff, and those were like your first teasers, and then you would eventually just have these great cards throughout. It, it's felt like a little bit of a bummer, like this whole spoiler season. Because there's so many cards in here, honestly, that are just bad. Which is good for standard. It just reminds me of Strixhaven. There's cool cards in here, but most of it I don't really care about. And I'm probably going to overlook something because of it. But yeah. It's fine. We'll, we'll be able to review things again it, when we do it, our top five. It's a decent set. It, it, yeah, it looks like a decent set so far. But nothing spectacular, really, after the first spoilers. I'm in agreement. Well, reminders out the door. We are the Pioneer Perspective, and we are brought to you by the Playway Discord server. If you want to play some Paper Magic over webcam and not go out to your LGS because of 30 minutes away or you don't have a pioneer active community or whatever or just you know you don't like people in person um you can play some paper magic uh, online with us so that's cool discord link in we the actually started a league system yeah which fired today uh i'm part of it so i'm going to be playing in our league and we have been running a popper league for a long time which was very popular uh and it's still going i believe uh, all this time which started like a year ago and we're hoping to pick up a pioneer league and hopefully it keeps going because i like the league system um it forces me to like play against like north american players i might not play against as often and it's a fun way to play a little bit of magic every week i am also in the league i didn't realize i was <laughs> oh <laughs> I, I i just checked i'm like i'm like did i I remember reacting to something about the league, about that I was interested in it. I think I reacted to something that said, like, I am There's, not in the league. My first round was against Crank there is, Man. There is 18, 18 people in this league, so it's actually a pretty full league. I like it. Yeah. Um, I don't know what deck I'm going to play. Probably Vampires. Um, but yeah, continuing. 
uh, again, Pioneer Perspective. We have a sister podcast, the Pondering Popper podcast, Cali Guys and Diego. They are wonderful. Uh, if you want to get some merch, you can go on inkedgaming.com. There are two links available in the description. The first one is a direct link to the actual Pioneer Perspective store or location on Ink Gaming where you have Playaway merch and Pioneer Perspective merch. Um, and the other link is going to be just our affiliate link for in gaming. So if you see anything cool that you want to grab that is not necessarily Pioneer Perspective or Playaway related, the proceeds still help us out and, you know, cool stuff in gaming anyway. And uh, I think that's everything besides, you know, we love you. You guys are amazing. And uh, we're happy to do this every week. Um, I'll be at a bit more wonky scheduling. But, hey, we're, we're making it work. Making it work. We're, we're both, like, dedicated to make it work. The releases and stuff we might get a little bit more infrequent we're gonna have to skip a week every once in a while a little bit more often but i have a lot of fun doing this i want to do this i love the positive feedback we're getting from it uh but that's just you know that's what you get when a european and an america make a podcast together it's you know life life gets in the way sometimes but just just move out here you're fine uh i my my girlfriend requires quite some health care which would immediately okay. bankrupt. Move, I think if I lived in the States, I would immediately Canada. be bankrupt. Move to Canada. And you can live, that's you that's can live, better. You Not the French-speaking part, though. My French is terrible. Okay, well, I mean, look, but you already have someone there in Alex, and he'll help you out, so... Look at that. And and they're already trying to get me to move up there. Rent is so fucking right, insanely soon. low. It's so low. <laughs> a one-bedroom was like 380 about 400 a month, like American dollars. Alex, Ooh. it's like 1200 here where I am, minimum. Oh. Yeah. Rent's yeah. ridiculous here, too. So, Anyway, before we move out to Canada, we want to say we love you. You guys are amazing. <laughs> and uh, we uh, hope that you listen to us again uh, next week or the week after, depending on the scheduling. We'll figure it out. But yeah. We'll figure it out. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye, everyone. <laughs>